0: Hey folks, Scott with Leading Edge Archery, our 550th podcast, I think, something like that. Hey, we got a couple, uh, we got a new guest here today. Um, we're going to be talking about 4-H. We're going re- to tr- do some, actually, recap of some tournaments that have been going on. Bridger just got back from Metropolis um, mm-hmm. ASA, and I think that was a tough one, wasn't it?
1: Uh, well, half of it was.
0: <laughs> half of it was. That's going to be interesting. Um, and I did get a chance to go. You know, for once... This damn economy dictated whether I went to that shoot or not, and that was stupid. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed because I really wanted to go. I've been shooting pretty good lately, and God, I wanted to go bad. But man, I was doing the math; just didn't make sense. It was so
1: like Courtney and I driving up there. We took her truck, which gets a little better mileage, but it was pricey. Yeah, like driving up there. How when we got into Illinois because of all their state gas taxes and stuff, it was right when we got there. It was five thirty a gallon. In it's Illinois. cheaper in
0: Texas though. No, $5.30. and Oh 30. no, 530.
1: Oh, yeah. you kidding me. No, it came down Dude. a little bit while we were there, but it's still over $5. When we were I down.
2: think that's more expensive than diesel is here. Yeah. yeah, that
1: is. Yeah. There was one spot that was like 411 it said. Yeah. Well, I mean everything like in, uh, Kentucky cause we're right on the, right on the river there. So yeah. we're right across, right across the river from, uh, Paducah. It was a lot cheaper in Kentucky, just because it's not run by Chicago. Well,
0: not by Democrats. Yeah, I shouldn't be saying that. So we we also have Brandon Wiffle with us. Brandon is a 4-H national ambassador, one of how many guys in the country?
3: Well, currently this year, it's just going to be 14 of us.
0: Yeah, but that's nationwide. Yeah. So it's a pretty big deal. Just a little bit. 50 states, and, and and you're one of 14 guys. That's amazing. So anyways, we're going to talk a lot about the 4-H community and how that works and impacts archery. And, um, but also, Brandon, you shot Metropolis also. Yes. You actually had a hell of a tournament. My first day, I started off a little bit rougher and I
3: started with the 214, but second day, I, I think the course was a little bit easier on me and I shot at 222. Yeah. Um, would have been finished at 226 if it wasn't
0: for a deflection, but. Yeah, I know. He's been bitching <laughs> about that deflection all day today. It's hilarious. Part of it, dude deflections happen and it sucks, but that's the way it is. Um, but that's damn good shooting though. Still you shot your butt off. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about the shooting, and then we're going to talk a little bit about four H and then I got a topic of like on testing and tuning for both of you guys. Cause I, I'm hearing it a lot more in the last, probably I want to say four weeks, probably last couple months. And it's got a lot to do with how we see out there getting a lot of complaints. And I'm sure Bridger, you you deal with this all the time. Um, but, you know, we can't see the targets anymore. Everything is dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation on, man, do we go to a higher, you know, a lens power? Do we go to a lower lens power in those situations? You know, Kentucky, I heard, was pretty dark, at least for you guys, one of your ranges. And I, I guess the pros, you guys weren't near as bad as cause i seen some of the pictures. Um, I think London was probably one of the worst. But even when we're coming back here, we're shooting a lot of dark targets now. We just ordered three new ranges and... I went through and counted them, but there's 12 dark targets now and only eight, what we call blonde, um, out of a range. So it's kind of like the way it's going. And then it it really boils down to whether you can actually, you know where those 12s are. You kind of got to, sometimes you're guessing, aren't you?
1: I mean, I would say that target recognition is is most of it, Um, especially, you know, in tournaments like like London, Kentucky, or I I would even say partially like... uh, metropolis like metropolis had really good lighting and everything, but because of all the foliage and stuff, it made those darker targets seem a little bit darker than they were. Unless you happen to catch them in a sunspot or, you know, we're shooting at a five yard, five yard target. (laughs) You could see those ones.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, I mean, it, it can be a little bit darker, but you know, target recognition is always going to be the best thing you can do. That's why it's like guys that have full ranges, You know, or just younger guys like Brennan that have better eyes, uh, you know, seem to excel a little bit
0: more. Right. Yeah. So you know what? Why don't we just let's talk about Metropolis. I mean, the shoot was. Let me ask you a question: Was it attended well? Did you do you hear or did you see? Uh,
1: I actually have no idea what they're attending. I'm just curious. I know we were a little bit we were a little bit light
0: in the seventy, in the known pro I think mid to upper sixties somewhere in there. Holy crap, dude! That's almost half getting close we had a 100 yeah we had a lot well
1: foley's always the highest attended one yeah um so that one's kind of hard to judge off of if you look at the other ones we're down probably 10 or 15 guys yeah
0: so i was wondering if gas had a had a bearing in that it did for me because i was driving to get dinner tuesday nights planning on leaving wednesday and um man i was just doing the math in my head and i thought it's gonna cost me 12 1500 bucks to do this well i just couldn't justify it
1: and you look at like where that tournament is versus where most of the membership for the asa is most of them is all
0: you know mostly southeast so that one's going to be the farthest tournament for a lot of guys yeah exactly exactly that makes sense i was just curious if it was if you felt it was a weekly attendance how about you guys you guys have your normal range and shooting the youth open um, I believe
3: it was probably the least amount of people I've seen at National. I say it seemed to go probably the quickest that we've had. Either side, we didn't have to put our thumbs up and wait for another group. Either side, there was typically nobody there. Um, second day, there was typically two lanes on each side that were open. On a second day? On Saturday? Seemed even more open. So Everything he, was just going he, quick. I
1: was going to ask if the youth classes, you got done quicker, so you did it in like four and a half hours
0: instead <laughs> of six. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You guys probably flew in the open. I mean, the known I problem. mean, it took us like two
1: and a half, three hours each yeah, day. That's,
0: that's kicking ass. That's fast. That's so,
1: awesome. But like first day, we waited around a lot because I shot
0: in a group of three. I was in a group of three oh, on the first no day. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that's it, weird. So. That makes it kind of weird. That's awesome. Yeah. it's I, I The economy where we're at right now with gas prices, it's got to start affecting the sport sooner or later. I mean, we're seeing it in the shop. I mean, we're as slow as we've ever yeah. been.
2: Yeah, just not since I've been open. Stuff.
0: Yeah, it's just slow. People, I think, are holding on to their money. Um, you know, only attending probably if it's in their backyard locally. Yeah. Um, instead of traveling across yeah. the country like I, some crazy people would.
1: I think the classic will be the classical I've good attendance, Yeah, which it which, always does because it's the largest tournament of the year for them. Right. But also being in Coleman, it's pretty centrally located for a lot of the membership. So I would imagine they're going to have that their normal – Uh, north of 2000 yeah you know somewhere between 2000 2500
0: i agree yeah it'll be a good one that's what that's kind of what i decided i said you know i'm just going to save my expense money for the classic i'm not really in the running for shooting the year course and just just go to the big super bowl and have have a good time you know make it a good good event that's why we decided to go that way um yeah it was um so did you guys hear about the controversy on sunday Oh, because they got rained out? No, dude, this
1: thing exploded. I seen the I seen the post on Facebook oh, had like 100 so bad. and something
0: comments. I read them all. They which, gave everybody a 200. Yeah. Well, they so here the ASA's been doing that for 20 years. Yeah, but so here's a controversy. Here's where it got ugly. Different. And I agree, they have been. But this is the first time I think they've had it happen when they've allowed these Friday scoring rounds, which is your Sunday. Mm-hmm. So there were some people, and I think one of our shooters got mixed up in this, where... They shot a really gangster score on Friday, mm-hmm. and then Saturday they shot worse, not as good. Well, that Friday score got blanked, right? Got wiped out. Yeah, but it, like it says that in the rules. Yeah, I know, but, <laughs> but I don't think they've never. No, I obviously not everybody read those rules because it was a firestorm. Ignorance is oh, not. Oh my god! I mean, some of the comments were unbelievable. Yeah, even I, to the point that there, are some people calling for them to eliminate the Friday round, which would be the dumbest thing they ever do. Because yeah, if not, I'm, you're gonna people don't realize you will be there all day Sunday. Yeah,
1: well, and a you're there all day Sunday. B, you know most people are taking days off for these tournaments anyways, shooting in the amateur division, guys that aren't shooting pro, yeah. and even most guys shooting pro class, like a lot of us have like real normal jobs, right? So, you know you're taking days off anyways. So what's what's worse taking Thursday and Friday off and shooting your Friday, Saturday option, being able to have the entire day Sunday to drive home exactly. and rest. So you can go back to work feeling exactly. fresh on Monday or only take Friday off or still take Thursday, Friday off and right. then feel like a 200 pound sack of <laughs> buttholes
0: on Monday as you're trying to go to work. Cause you just exactly. drove 12 hours. Exactly. Coming exactly. Well, I remember those days and they suck. I was yeah, like, go back to that. So, I don't
1: foresee – I would think it would drive attendance down should they get rid of the Friday option. I think it would hurt them,
3: yeah. And then young adults, we only shoot Friday and Saturday. We don't shoot Sunday at all either. Well,
1: there's no classes that shoot more than two days. And some – like even the youth classes only shoot Saturday, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Some of the – like youth, youth, Like little class – little kid classes. Known 40, I see – Shoots all day Saturday. They did both rounds on Saturday. You had the option to do – Friday. Do a Friday round – and a Saturday round or, you know, a morning and afternoon
0: round Correct. on Saturday. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, it was pretty ugly, though. I mean, they were getting I mean, beat up. To... But, I mean, the weather was apparently terrible. Well, that's the other thing. You had a lot of guys out there pushing the envelope of, well, we were there. The weather wasn't bad. You know, they could have waited till 10.
1: Well, you, you know, wait till 10, then you got 40 guys that tear those courses down that aren't getting out of there till 9 p.m.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. So they're all blaming the ASA that they wanted to get home and they just wanted to you know, leave early. And it has nothing to do with that. ASA wants to, their customers to be serviced properly. It's just it's a safety thing. I mean, these guys are crazy talking about, you know, well, lightning wasn't that bad. Or There's hell, no lightning that bad. It's either bad or it's hell, terrible. Hell, we I was actually, I remember saying, or you said, like, you know, people
1: like, oh, weather wasn't that bad, wasn't that bad. I was listening to a podcast driving home, and it was Remy Warren on Joe Rogan and him talking about getting struck by lightning. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, like, I mean, it, it happens. It happens. It happens, it happens a lot. Why increase your odds? And, so
1: well, and we're walking around with three-foot-long, three-foot-long <laughs> stabilizers. Yeah, three-foot-long lightning rods. Exactly. And, you know, five pounds of aluminum. It's probably not a good idea. No.
0: Well, and then you've got, you know, the whole liability thing with insurance has got to come into play. Oh, I mean, yeah. There's no way ASA can conduct uh, that term. I mean, they've Take had that they've
1: that had those rules written for 20 years. Exactly. I don't understand exactly. what... What well, and you is. don't want
0: them to implement those and those those stop checks, but when they happen, you guys, we just have to, it, you know, it is what it is. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You sign up for it. You know, every pro sport, I'll tell you, best fishing because it's somewhat similar, we have the same deal. We get rained out or, well, we've had tournament days canceled because of wind. You mm-hmm. know, having six to eight footers on the lake and they cancel it. It's part of or what we do. And then they may go to, a you know, whatever the scores were or the weights were on day one. That's the way the tournament rolls, you know, and you just kind of, you kind of know that going into it. I mean, it sucks for sure, but you know, either there. How about you? Did you have any trouble seeing? Um, Not at this past shoot. I'd
3: probably say, I mean, just kind of like normal. You'd probably say about, you could see about 60% of the targets. There's a few, you know, the blacks, some like the Wolverine or the Havilions they put at a far range. Yeah. Just a few that you couldn't really see. Um, most of the tan deer they put up probably around 30, nothing just strenuous. Yeah.
0: Um, it was like I said, it's just a blacks and yeah, the blacks are always hard. Oh, so it goes back. So I'm going to go ahead and get into this segue that I wanted to talk through is, you know, how we see, cause I was reading a lot of stuff in London. I didn't go, but you were there at London Bridger. And, um, a lot of them amateurs were talking about that they were in some pretty dark tunnel shots, you know, mm-hmm. and, and shooting the power line courses. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of guys talking about just taking their lenses out completely. Remove the lenses out of the front and the back. Um, you do that, though. You're changing your point of impact. Robert. Oh, dude, you're changing your point of impact, how
1: everything looks when you're aiming at it. Like, I I tried doing that the first year I went because I'd heard all the horror stories like everybody else when it came to came to shooting in London. Like, oh, my God, can't see anything. Yeah. You know, it's like aiming down a, <laughs> aiming down a tunnel like it's the worst thing ever and i remember the first year i went i shot the practice range and at the time they hadn't cut the practice range they went the way they had the actual tournament courses yeah so we were standing out in the power line in the in the clearing shooting into the timber and it was i mean you may as well have just been shooting out a black piece of paper like there was <laughs> right. nothing down there right and i remember thinking like oh my god like there ain't no way if i score all my arrows this weekend that'll be a miracle so yeah. i had, at that one, I brought an extra housing without a lens in it, and I swapped everything out. And I'll be honestly, I don't know that I shot better without a lens in it, not being you know and being able to find the target than I did right with my lens and just searching around for an extra two seconds till I found the leg and go up from there. So right, right. I mean, some of it is yes, you need to you know some guys are so visually stimulated by what they're aiming at, they have to you know be able to find something right but you deviate too much from what you're shooting. Like I shoot a six power with a number two clarifier. Like I've got some pretty, you got big power. I've got a lot of power in both yeah. both my hands. housing and my peep site. And if I pull one of those out or both of those out, like it com- a it completely changes your point of impact. B the way you point at targets and what you can see and what you can't see is vastly different to the point where it damn near doesn't do me any good to look through my binos you know because right. i'm looking i can look through my binos this twelve power i can see oh yeah there's a hole here 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 and here yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know this sunspot or that you know this core line and even for me with like a four power on a 50 yard deer or 50 yard black target i can't find a core line right and that's i mean for me that's what i use for a lot of my reference not necessarily aiming off the core line but if I can find the core, I, I can kind of area aim and uh, know about where everything's at. Right. So, and I can't do that with a four power, let alone no power.
0: So, what about the guys who are talking about, hey, because, you know, there's also a big thing, and I know, Brand, Brandon, you and I have discussed this before. You know, for me, about 35 yards, I'd, I can't see rings anymore. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gone. I can see core line on some targets up to about 40. 40 to 50, depending on what target it is. I can't even find Coralines like you were just mm-hmm. talking about. And I shoot a five-power. Um, you know, some of these guys are talking about going to eight-powered lenses just so they can see. I, I still don't think – do you think they can still see the the, the those rings? At the I 50? think like
1: Brennan could because he's got good eyeballs like me. No way. Well, yeah. partly, A, I'd be moving around so much. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> would <well, yeah. laughs> be, be shaking so much It'd will be vibrating so I wouldn't be able to pick out any detail. But, right. Anytime you're changing your power, good rule of thumb: you go up in power, your peep aperture is usually going down to try and get a little more clarity, right? And your clarifier power is going up, which is also going to drop—not necessarily drop clarity. Obviously, it's improving clarity, but it's going to reduce, reduce the amount size. of light. Oh, the reduce light, the yeah. amount of light coming through, and you know, do, it does reduce the power or the perceived power your scope has. Correct. So the target can get smaller. Yeah. So if you're regard. if you're a guy with you know shooting spots. You shoot a four power with a four power lens with a half power specialty scope, uh, to get good target clarity. By the time you throw a six power in, you might right. be jumping up to a number one or a one point five. I mean, you go all the way up to an eight power. You're putting in bare, bare bones a one point five. You know, and if you got really bad uh, nearsightedness, like I'm very nearsighted, right. sitting there working on strings all day two feet in front of me, working on (laughs) bows all day, two feet in front of me, and goofing off on Instagram and crap. Like, I got to run that higher clarifier, which is going to reduce your pin, reduce the power in your scope or the perceived power in your scope, as well as it's another lens.
0: It's a thicker lens for light to go through. You're going to lose that much more light. Exactly. So, Well, I know we've been talking with Brandon about maybe moving that, because you wanted to go to an 8.
3: Just a little bit, but now I kind of recognize... Um, eight's probably a little bit too much. You'll start sh- seeing too much movement. Oh yeah. Um, you'd have to have your stabilizers absolutely perfect. This way, you don't have that much. I mean, six right now. I'm currently not holding as good as I'd like, just because the past week I kind of had some problems. But
1: I think eight's probably a little bit way too much. Dude, that's a lot of power. It's a lot. I mean, have you? And, and especially you. You know, when you get a longer draw length, you know, if you're north of twenty. Eight and a half, twenty nine. 29 you start stretching that thing out of out away from you the further away that lens is from your eyeball the stronger Better, that stronger lens, the power is yeah the stronger I, that lens is gonna seem so you know my six power to me isn't gonna be nearly as blown up a with my shorter draw length B with my stronger clarifier setup my six power isn't gonna be near as strong as what your six power is you got two inches of draw length on me. You know, if I take and bump my scope out two notches or, you know, what is effectively two inches to get it close to where yours would be, it's going to blow it up even more and I'm going to see more movement. So that's the other thing you got to take into account too. When you're, if you're a guy like, you know, a like Tim or Steve Anderson or somebody with that 30 plus inch draw length, you go to that stronger lens, it's
0: going to seem even stronger with that longer draw so, length. So there is another advantage, and I already thought about this. You got, uh, like Levi, shoots a 30, you know, it's a 30 and a half, 31 inch draw. You notice his scope is all the way up against the riser. Mm-hmm. He he runs his on the last hole. Um, So he's doing that because he's already getting the clarity out of what he has because his draw length is so nice. Mm-hmm. And now he's bringing that scope in, which there is a perceived yeah, now, advantage of that.
1: I mean, some of that too, maybe, you know, torque tuning and all that other stuff to where right. you're trying to find that, that sweet spot for, you know, with however you do all that stuff. Right. I accidentally found out the distance mine's supposed to be like 10 years ago and I've never changed. it.
0: <laughs> so well, I you, log, you run yours way out or in, uh,
1: I, okay. as long as I'm running like 30 and a half peep to pin, that's, that's your, mind. that's, that's, your that's what
0: I run for everything. Gotcha. So you actually run a pretty long bar then out front decently long.
1: Yeah. I mean, on like, I shoot that elevator now and I'm two notches from all the way out, sure. but on the short bar. Right. So it's a, Eight, probably about eight, eight inches, four inches, and a half inches. Probably. Yeah, it's like a. I'm probably stuck out like six inches from six the riser, right. roughly. You know,
0: which feet again? Pretty are, average. Yeah, what do we have yours at? You run middle. You run pretty close. Um, I'm set at three right now. Yeah, so you're in just pretty close, but once again, you're 29, 29 and a half inch draw, and that's going to get longer. So for your size, actually, you're kind of a short draw length, which is shocking, for being a big guy. I think it's 29 and a half, ain't it? Yeah, 29 and a
2: half. Yeah, same as mine. Yeah
0: was 29 and a half yeah yeah you guys are
1: all giants
0: short arms here oh, shit i mean i always complain about having a short draw length i don't know it's yeah just, look at me <laughs> dude 25 so it's funny you say that i uh i had an epiphany actually i screwed up i was helping a kid out and gave him my modules and my bow i swapped his over and when i did i put him in a position i thought they were at 26 and a quarter i think it was ended up being 25 and a half and didn't know it. Ended up going to this range and for a, a tournament, actually. And shot like one of my best scores I've shot in like decades. <laughs> I mean, and then uh, my practice afterwards has been lights out, man. You know, I'm 53. Everyone says you shrink as you get older. And I think that's true. I feel
2: like your height would shrink, not your arms, though.
0: I oh, don't know, dude. Uh, Pops used to be 27 and a half. He's down to 26. That's weird. Because I, I, I remember the, when pops was 27. Well, I thought the whole thing lose with lose your shrinking was like you know, that's it. What Bridger just said. Like, uh, you okay. lose flexibility in your in your muscle structure and gotcha. yeah. I
2: use. thought it was like gravity no, kind of pulling well, you down. Yeah, it could be that. Too. <laughs> like your bones compressing down. I, I can't afford get older. to be
3: any shorter than I am. It sucks. <laughs> that's my dad. He used to be six three. Now he's like the same height as me. He's like yeah. s- s- what is that like six one and a he half? Six one.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, I, I put it on 25 and a half, and dude, it's made. My a mega difference in archery for me. When was the last time you measured your draw length? I don't like measuring it because I get depressed. <laughs> I literally don't. I do it by feel, and it's and I and I in my head, my ego has been telling me twenty six and a half, yeah, twenty six and a quarter, and that's way too long. <laughs> so imagine you guys got four inches on me. That blows. God. And in archery, that is a mile. I mean, yeah, it really is what is that 10 to 12 feet per second per inch? Per inch. So yeah, you're looking at 40 feet per second. You guys yeah. pick up on me right away. That sucks. And then the other thing I did too, is I dropped it down to like 58 pounds. Piss on shooting at 65 and 70. <laughs> I ain't doing that no more. I'm too old. I do not really care at my bow tunes. <laughs> I don't care how speed it is. And I don't, really, I, and I don't care about the draw length anymore. Yeah, all I know is it's shooting damn good. Well, right?
2: especially for target. Who cares?
0: Exactly. Exactly. You shouldn't care, but you guys will see when you get older. Your ego starts to take a big hit. It sucks, big time I don't know. I don't know if too
1: many better ego bumps than like hitting the shit you're aiming at. Yeah, but, yeah.
0: you're in the' <laughs> it's true it's right about that that's for damn sure yeah, but that's anyways i've been we've had a lot of our staff shooters. I've been hearing a lot of guys on the forums on the internet and and I'm getting that question probably more and more, especially with Brandon. Um, you know how I can't see anything anymore. It's the targets are are getting so dark, the tunnels are putting them are getting dark and it's just an ongoing thing and it's kind of interesting because if you go shoot, you know, Fita, field archery, these other tournaments, it's just a not, you never have that issue. Yeah. It's, you got a dot to aim at, it's yellow or white or black, you can see it, the reference between your pin, you know, and that background of the target is glaringly obvious so lighting and all that crap is never, I think that's what makes a 3D game even more unique and makes it more tough because, we don't have a dot name out. We're trying to see them bonus rings. Um, and you, you just can't do it. Sometimes it's impossible, you know. And yeah. I I don't know what the most effective thing is. Do we go more power less power? Well,
1: and er- everybody's eyeballs are going to be different. So, I mean, you just have to decide whether you want to have the target a little bit more blown up to try and catch more clarity and more detail. You know, and, that, and that's kind of the boat that I like to be in because, like I said, the way I aim – the way I like to aim is I'll find, you know, obviously it doesn't work for every target, but most of the targets that core line is roughly the same shape. Correct. And, you know, maybe 30 to, you know, on the top end, 30% bigger than the the 10 ring. Correct. If I can find where the 10 ring is, if I know what direction the animals face and I can find the 12 ring. Yeah, exactly. You know, just every, just the every Yeah. Every 10 ring is shaped is the same size. And every 12 ring, say for two targets, the old insert on the Warthog and the chamois, every every bonus ring is in the same location inside right. that 10 ring. So as long as I know where that is, normally I can always get to that spot. So for me, I always like having it blown up a little bit. I run a smaller scope housing because that's, A, just what I'm used to. And what I've always shot is that inch and three-quarter roughly housing. With that same peep size. I don't know that I've changed my peep size in 10 years. Right. But, like, as long as I can find the core core line, normally I can find, at least find the bonus rings. Right. Um, obviously, it doesn't work every time. But, you know, it, whether you want to be in that boat, trying to blow it up a little bit more to find some detail on the target, or run that lower power that doesn't take as much to clear up your lens, you know, running a two or four power, That you can run everything slightly larger to be able to grab more light to get more clarity. Right, right. So it's 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 hard to get. Yeah, it's hard to get a good balance of both. Like you can't run one of those Mondo, one of the Mondo (laughs) uh, Shrewd housings. You know, like a forty-plus millimeter, or like the UV3XL. You know, that forty millimeter housing with an eight power lens and an eighth inch peep sight. Like you're just never going to get it clear. It's going to be bright as hell. Right. It's going to like you aim at a blonde target in full sun. It's going to look like you're staring at a flashlight, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're never going to be able to find any detail.
0: on so it. So the like big it. thing here is listening to you. Target recognition is probably more important than looking at a hundred percent more case. important. So, so I think the the answer is the reality is that we've got to spend more time on the targets to understand where those bonus rings are at mm-hmm. in relation to the you know which way the target's facing, and then secondary to that, let's look at you know what our our clarifier you know lens housing is going to be and what's most effective for you. Yeah, which brings you to another question: fuzzy pin clear target or fuzzy target clear pin.
1: I prefer the target being more clear than the pin if I'm gonna if I have to pick one or the other. Now, luckily, my vision's bad enough I can run that (laughs) I can run that number two clarifier and still get a pretty good clarity on my pin. Yeah. yeah. But I personally like having that pin being slightly fuzzed out, especially if I'm aiming, like if I got to aim right at an arrow, or if there's, you know, if I'm shooting at a 48 yard deer and there's a hole in the center of the IBO or at the connector line or something that I want to aim off of, like I'd have to be running a 100,000th pin right. to have it small enough to where I can you put pin my in pin hole. inside that hole or next right. to that hole. If I have, you know, I'm running a 19th fiber, but with that two or with that number two clarifier, it fuzzes it out quite a bit. So I don't necessarily see through it to the point where it's invisible, but it's a defined mark on my scope housing, but I can lay something right next to it and still, see the detail of what it is i'm trying to aim off of with it so i think if you're bouncing between the two if you're in between a one and a 1.5 and going to the smaller going to the smaller peep aperture to get the clarity makes it too dark i personally would tell you you're probably better off just getting used to that fuzzier pin and aiming off of it and you know if you got to turn your light up one more notch to get you know a little bit more clarity on it then that's what you got to do brandon what do you like
3: um, I like a clear target. I mean, on mine, mine's pretty balanced. Mine's pretty clear
0: in my Well, you're pen. freaking hold. 17. He's, yeah. He's He's I, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, you're as bad as Braden sitting here. He's the same way. I mean, what do you prefer?
2: Um, I prefer a clear target.
0: Clear target? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because your eyes are like a laser. I mean, as long
3: as you focus on where you want to aim, it doesn't matter if you're sitting over there on the left side. Most of the time, your air is going to go to wherever your eyes are looking.
2: Well, it's like yeah. running a framing ring on an indoor spot. If you're, I mean, you, that's what I like to shoot for indoors, just the framing ring. Right. And clear target, fuzzier pin kind of runs the same way for me. I can focus more on the target than the pin. My brain does the math for you me. You bring
0: up a good thing because I think, I know one of my issues is, and I think a lot of, my, of the archers that are shooting for with us right now, I've had this conversation with them, is looking around the pin. That's you heard, what I you heard Bridger it. saying a second ago, you can go out there and find maybe a shot out black dot or a spot on that on that target and you want to put your pin in it. And But my problem is, so I used to shoot a ton of competitive trap and I shot a very high gun. So my, my clay target would always sit in my sight window, probably an inch, inch and a half above my barrel, but I would be able to see the break. I can watch mm. that clay the whole time. And I think I'm doing the same thing. I'm thinking one of my issues in archery is when I like an arrow, if an arrow sitting in that bonus 12 and I need to aim at it, I know if I'm looking down there and my pins over and I can't see the arrow, then theoretically I I'm on where I need to be. Yeah. My problem is I move back and forth all the time. Yeah. Like, you look on at it? it. Am I on it? Am I on it? Am I on it? I, on it? <laughs> I always do up and
2: down. I mean, I've talked to you about this. Yeah. It's a problem is I I'll hold and I like, I know where I want to aim. But I'll dip a little bit to where so I can see it, see it and then yeah. I have to like push it back, push back, back up. up. And then, yeah,
0: exactly. Back so, and Bridger, forth. I mean, what's the uh, what's the I mean, what's the right and wrong there? So at, cut cut a yard or add a yard and hit below it, or I mean, it, just have to shoot
1: to your tendencies. So, I, at, that specifically is why I like that ultra view with the center drill, especially coming from Target. All I ever shot was a God, sticker on a lens. A sticker on a lens, yeah. So I could always see all the way around everything or all the way around my uh, aiming reticle. Right, so, right. I don't know. I I mean, I'm so used to covering shit up. That's all I've ever done. So when you
0: don't see that arrow anymore, you know you're on yeah, the spot. Yeah, and,
1: and most of the time I'm not like aiming directly at a knock or something like that. And, right. you know, I have
0: a little bit of movement with my sight. So at 40
1: yards or 50, 40, 50 yards, I'm not holding a 19th thou fiber. Over top of a <laughs> right. over top of a silver pin bushing right. the right. entire time, like I'm just You're trying to keep it, it, it in that area. So, right. and normally, like uh, somebody will be like on the left edge or the right edge, bottom, top, whatever you. And I'll just try and lay my pin up right next to it, and gotcha. ju- you know, just sandwich them together. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: but I'm looking up, around the pin, I think, is a problem. Yeah. Oh for yeah. A lot of people. I think Most it happens guys. more. Yeah.
1: Most guys, I think, you know, if you have an arrow that you're trying to aim at, most guys will miss it. If they do miss it, they will miss it in the same spot every time, whether that's right and left, up and down, you know, for me, if I'm running a, you know, an up pin or down pin, you know, a solid uh, pin post, I'll always miss it, whatever direction my pin post is coming from. (laughs) So if my pin is coming out of the right side of the housing, I will always miss that thing to the left to of the, the left arrow. Side. Yeah. So if it's, if I'm shooting an up pin, I'll always miss above. I'm shooting a down pin, I'll always miss below because right. I'll start covering it up. While if I'm shooting a down pin, I'll be on top of it and then I'll start sinking down yep. while I still yep. can't see the arrow
0: yep. or you I still can't good. see the
1: mark. Yeah. So I still think I'm good. And all of a sudden you know,
0: I'm two inches underneath. God, me. that's a hell of a point because it's why I think that ultra view, uh, even Bowfinger makes one now. Uh, like the, the center drilled lenses I think are so much more effective than mm-hmm. shooting a
1: pin. The only downside to them is disappearance yeah, is brightness. Yeah, brightness. Now, I that's I haven't had an issue with that, but I've always run a really low light pin. Well, you also run, run a green, nineteen. I run a nineteen, so it's a bigger fiber, Correct. and I run a green instead of blue. So, blue is always going to take more light to get that same level of intensity, um, especially when you're using an ultraviolet uh, light bulb. Yep, you know, so be at the. Some of the zebras have a UV light. Um, I think.
0: Now I'm is that sure. preference again? Color? color blue, yeah. Blue, red, green.
1: Yeah. So for me, blue. I have to have that. I would have to have like three light kits to right. get a blue fiber bright enough. <laughs> right. Right. Me. Right. me I'm for whatever reason, my eyeballs just don't see it very good. Mm-hmm. Some guys love the red. I know. Destin, one of our shooters, is he likes that red. Yep. I right. think it takes away from the target when you use the red. I mean, but that's just for you, for you though. Yeah, for mm-hmm. you. For you, so you don't like red. I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah. So I, I prefer that green. I see it on every single target. The only time I ever have even a lick of issue with it is shooting at a white target, which we don't shoot no at secret. anymore.
0: Well, you, I don't know if you've seen, but the girls, we were watching the shoot-offs live on TV, That you know, and I noticed they had taken that shoot-off target when it got to the last arrow, and they had taken that, that uh, cheetah. Mm -hmm. and they put it out there in the sun and had Mm -hmm. the archers in the shade. Sometimes one of them, one group had, they were standing in the sun, they were shooting through a big oak tree, and then the target was in the sun out there, so it was kind of like light, dark. And Emily McCarthy was sitting there punching that damn light. The man's open
1: pro, every single one of them, because Courtney and I were watching, every single one of them, Looked at the target, held their bow up, and reached up to the yeah, like and, and, and just ma- max. <laughs> just maxing yeah. that thing out. McCarthy
0: was doing that, man. It was awesome. Ev- everybody did because but. you couldn't see it. I heard.
1: Yeah. So I mean, you, anytime your target is crazy bright, you have your pen has to be even brighter for you right. to get the contrast between the two to know where you're aiming at right. it. So and
0: that's probably the only reason I went away from the ultra view was that I was getting too much of that and I couldn't. I was tired get of shooting off mess. a smudge. Yeah, I was you seeing a smudge. Yeah, you couldn't get it. Couldn't so get it quite like, bright enough. You can always shoot off your post. With all see, things being equal,
3: I love what you did to my UltraView, having that little hole right in the middle. Yeah, the black always having that little fiber dill or whatever fiber holder, whatever you call it. Yeah, the pin. Yeah, it always drove me nuts because it, I, I don't know. It was just kind of focused. I focused on the whole line instead of just
0: focusing at that fiber. Oh, the center drill is way to go. And I'll tell you what I did to Brannon's. And I might go back to all. I shot probably my best year ever with the UltraView because I could see 360 around the target. Um, I ended up doing with mirrors what I had in my mind that year is I wrapped the fiber all the way around the housing. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, that sucker is bright. I mean, I hardly well, yeah, that's what I did with
2: that bow finger. You yeah. Were, you were telling me on and on about how that UltraView wasn't going to work. And so I tried it and couldn't get it bright enough. With the bow finger. And Which so I did the same thing. So I ran it through the center drill and, and wrapped. wrapped it through one of the holes that was already there. Bro. Didn't use the pin. And, you really need a light. Oh no, it's small. The like the fiber is small enough that it doesn't look like there's a pin there, and it's wrapped all there on their housing, so it's super bright. Haven't had an issue. With See, really for me.
1: Bright. I can't. I wouldn't be able to shoot that because I can't star get it dark bright. enough. Yeah, I literally, bright. I literally don't ever turn mine higher than
0: third like the third brightest intensity unless i'm standing third highest that's it
1: unless i'm standing like in the parking lot here on (laughs) white gravel (laughs) standing in full sun then i'll turn it all the way up Mm. so i can shoot but very rarely do i go any brighter than like the third setting
0: yeah
1: well there's i I think uh, i had to change it because they the only issue is because they go from like one light bulb to three so it goes from really dim to not really bright. bright but it goes like it oh it's almost like it jumps two or three clicks right and i figured out how far out to have to my, have your fiber ha, how far out to have my fiber so i can turn yeah. my bubble light on and it'll match <laughs> so i can get it in between the two the
0: little things yeah. those are those little things no and i tell you I, I think it's one of the best center drilled i think is just the way to go um if you can handle it well, from a visual a, standpoint
1: yeah so if like for me, I think it works because I'm my eyes are fairly sensitive to light, so I don't like having a ton of light in the housing itself. Because, a the more light you have in the housing, the less light you are perceiving on the target, correct? So, it's kind of like they, everybody talks about oh, you need you're hunting in a ground blind, you need a sight light, hunting in a ground blind, you need a sight light, you need a sight light when you're shooting and lower light conditions. Well, yeah, that's all fine and dandy, so you can see your pins, can't see but, the animal. It <laughs> doesn't matter how bright your pins are. Right. Like, it doesn't matter how good I can see my pins if I can't right. see what the hell I'm trying to aim and, at. And, and, so, I mean, and if you need, like, proof or evidence of it, essentially we are saying go stand in a dark room or, you know, go outside at night and turn your sight light all the way up. Exactly. Yeah, you can see your pins, but you because your eyeballs are so focused on
0: how bright those pins are... Can't see anything behind you. are not picking up any light nope. Nope. behind that, so yeah. you got nothing to aim at. It's funny you say And that's why I asked that question about, you know fuzzy target, fuzzy pin, um, really clear target. I, you have to be able to see what you're shooting to hit it. Mm-hmm. And I, I get so we get so many customers that come in here and are so focused on getting that pin as bright and as sharp as they can and they don't realize how much they're taking away from what they're trying to shoot. Because yeah, your, right. eye, your eye will naturally go to the brightest, largest object in its field of vision naturally. Yeah. And then if the, you know, unfortunately the animals don't have lights on the side of them, you know, and, and even our 3D targets. And, I've always been of the opinion, you know, you've got to, that fuzzy pen is the way to go. Make it just a hair fuzzy so you're, your eye is concentrating on what you're trying to do.
1: Essentially need your pen to be there or be able to see your pen just enough
0: to know it's there. Just enough. like, And I think that's a key. I mean, not so bright and sharp that it's mm-hmm. overpowered. oh I can make every, anybody's pen as is- like make their
1: pan as clear as they want. I right? just pull the clarifier out and put a tiny aperture in there. You'll yeah. be able to see your pan all day long. Exactly. exactly. Ain't going to do you any good when the you're shooting at a deer target in full sun at fifty yards, yards yeah, and exactly. it's,
0: it looks like you're aiming at a black bull Well, and that's the <laughs> other thing. I mean, I, I learned too is to get away from the ten thousands. I hear guys all the time. Well, I can't aim small enough to be in that bonus ring at fifty yards. And I I argue the fact you can't see that bonus ring at fifty yards. So well, okay, the ten thousands nineteen. So okay, my
1: side of that. If you want to be able to see the ring at fifty yards, or want to have better chance of seeing a ring at you know forty plus, run that bigger, run that bigger uh, or stronger clarifier to yep. get more target clarity, yep. and run a bigger pin because that pin's going to appear smaller. Like exactly. If I run like my sight picture is roughly the same. If I run a four power with a ten thou, and as far as like my pen, what my pen looks like, if I run a four power with a 10th out fiber and a number one clarifier versus a number two clarifier with a six power and a 19, my pen is covering up the same amount either Correct. time. Correct. But my target's so much more blown up. I can get so much more detail running that, running that six power with the two. Mm-hmm. And that fuzzes out the pen just enough to where, like I said, it. it it's obviously a 19 but it well looks
0: smaller than that because of the, the other thing bar. is you're not you're not mushrooming so I see another like a lot of guys doing that also they'll They'll cut the fiber, they'll get it up there and burn it and mushroom it. And they don't realize they're making it in the 29th out.
1: You're making it bigger anyway, so yeah. you're better off just running just the cut. thing. Use the 19, get a little, you know, that bigger fiber is going to grab more ambient light, so it's going to be
0: easier to see. It's going to be but not brighter. mushroom it with the with, the, yeah, what, I'd with a yeah, I would never mushroom no. no, so you're getting the true 19th diameter mm-hmm. of the fiber, plus it's a little bit sharper. I mean, it'll just yeah, be sharper, sharper
1: because it's not melted and mushroomed out, exactly. So yeah, that was that was, something. I mean. Everybody's got to play with all their shit to figure out what works best for them. Some guys, you know, that 10th owl owl mushroomed on an up post works better for most guys than a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff. That's what I would say. That's probably what most pro shooters are running. Now, obviously, you're going to differentiate from that a little bit based on your eyesight and everything like that. But I mean, I would say that's probably a decent starting point, either 10 or 19th owl with an up pin. And then you know if you're like me, whatever direction your pin's coming from, you miss from the opposite. You know, try out that center drill. And most housings now have an option to where you can screw your light kit in to where it's shining on the edge on the of lens. The, yeah, yeah, shining on the edge of the lens for right. a center drill. So right. You know, I know the new Excel housings. If you're ever able to get one, uh, <laughs> has that has that option. The Optums have had it for a while. Yeah. Um, the bow fingers have it. Uh, most newer housings have that angled... Uh, Light kit. Yeah, have that angled housing, thread to yeah. shine it onto the fiber. So Exactly.
0: No, uh, just good topic, because it's definitely something that's been coming up a lot, and I think that, you know, I'm going to go back and reiterate target recognition, understanding where those bonuses are sitting is probably more important than you trying to come up with a, a system that allows you to see those bonus rings at 50 yards. Yeah. Because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think well, so. Well, and,
1: and you know... You, talk about target recognition and all that like I if you send two guys out there without any binos like you send Levi and Dan out there without binos I guarantee you they're going to shoot every bit as good as you know oh. like me or Kyle or somebody else out there without binos like I I mean I guess I don't know how many targets Kyle is shooting at but most most guys that have been shooting at 3D targets for a long time already know where all the rings are yeah exactly yeah so hell, I shot a I shooting practice course or GPO or something with uh, Aaron McLattery. I think it might have been at Fort Benning. And she never even looked through her binos the whole time. And she spotted all of her arrows. She'd be like, oh, yeah, you should be in the bottom of it. And I'd look, look down there, it'd be half <laughs> shaft, bottom of the 12. It's like, how the hell do you know that? She's like, oh, I just look at targets all the time. Yeah. Just knows where everything's at. So that that as far as a you know shooting in poor light conditions and stuff like that to where you're not able to get the best target detail that that will always benefit you knowing the targets more yeah. than any more than any light or sight system. The system trying to try and create, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Because there's always going to come a time, regardless of how good your system is, to where you draw back and you're like, holy crap, there is nothing, nothing down there. Yeah.
0: Especially if you're a number one shooter on a tunnel shot in a black target. Yeah, you're just. You're just oh yeah,
1: and like you know, we talk about london on saturday saturday morning we're shooting facing east uphill and the sun is literally like two feet above the target (laughs) like you're staring into the sun which makes it worse and then you got your light that you're trying to turn all the way up so it's bright enough you can see it while staring at the sun and you're shooting at a black target.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you are screwed. If you could that. find
1: the sil- you know, if, if somebody knows the target and you can find the silhouette, you're going to be a lot better off than yeah. somebody that's depended purely on, uh, you know, picking up blemishes or, you know, reference points on the target itself. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. So Well, I know no. all the young adults were talking at Metropolis about back in Kentucky, there was this Wolverine down in the draw. And it was nothing but mud, but the only way all of us got on target was somebody had a crossbow bolt that was broken, sitting on a tree, and you could see the green arrow wrap. Other than that, you couldn't even see the silhouette. So, I knew that that green Dude. arrow wrap, you just go to the ride and just go about
0: a foot over. I, I am telling you, that Wolverine, I, I mean, it's just one that of was those targets. It, it looks like a mound of dirt. Yeah. Wherever I've, you
1: put it. There have been multiple times where I've walked up and been like, "What?" What oh, are we shooting at? exactly? Where is, is it? it? Yeah. They'll have it like in behind. Tree they'll have something. it behind yeah. a log, in front yeah. of a tree, or something. It, and looks, it looks like a like, mound of dirt. <laughs> it look like a <laughs> log or something.
0: God, I hate that damn thing. I mean, that target is not five, waiting to happen for me. If
1: it it's a if it's a new one, I aim at that one pretty easily again of, because, because of that that, sh- that blonde black yeah, line. Yeah, so it'll go from that kind of dark. That lighter brown ish yeah, yeah. color down to the like super dark brown, basically black, where that breakover is, and then the core is yeah, quarter inch bigger than the ten ring. Right. So it's essentially right. like looking at a giant ten ring anyway. It's, it
3: is. Well, I know you can't see the upper past about twenty seven yards. You just you can't see
1: it anymore. Well, yeah, black. but you can see the you can see the core line above yeah. it, and then you got that line. So just think about that core line as the 10 ring and put your pin right above the, the color break on, you know, if he's and facing you know, the good. left, put it on yeah. the left side. If he's facing the right, put it on the right exactly. side, and you're going to be right on it. Pro see, tip of the week. That's what I do with most of the black
3: yeah. targets, like the boar and the panther. Once you find that insert, you just come down about an inch and a half, and it's typically on – got to watch your right and left. But if you just come down
0: right below that core – yeah, you can see the yeah, core out yeah. of that Panther easy. Yeah. I mean, I've always been able to find that thing. It's dark.
3: I typically hit a 12 on Everybody's like, how do you see it? I'm like, I don't. I just bring you know, it down it a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: so the, the Panther's usually right behind that little muscle, that yep. muscle ripple. Yep. If he's facing to the left, it'll be down and to the right. Uh, the Wolverine, that's the only one I shoot at the upper almost every time. Unless it's full, that is the only one I call upper on So and I, every time I see it.
0: So I think the worst target on tour. Um, and everybody bitches about the same thing as the bore. I think it targets. That just one's the tough toughest, because I feel like nothing. well, so I I I just like the uh, the
1: Russian bore.
0: Yeah, more. That one's bad too.
1: Partly because they they have two different inserts for it. The old insert, like the the upper and lower, yeah. are almost they're a lot more uh, horizontal than they are yeah. vertical. Yeah. As far as the different area for me, the black bore it feels weird because I feel like I'm. I'm aiming in the guts. Exactly, it's way back. Then. Like I gotta you go where you a back. Think. I gotta go half like center mass, yeah. and then up yeah. a third to get dude, an area. You, you
0: make what's called a good kill shot. That's an eight. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, and you can shoot a nickel on that target in a heartbeat. I mean, I hate that damn target. That's why if I've, I don't know, I'm, I pray every time I go to a course, man. I hope I'm not first up on this one. Please, for the love of God, have someone shoot a mm-hmm. shoot a knock that I can see, just so I got a reference of where it is. But it's uh yeah it, but target recognition I think is the is the takeaway of all this is that you know everybody's lens and clarifier um even size is going to be all preferential to them um we we're not behind their eyeballs, so we can't see what they're seeing right um but if you if you got to understand and practice those targets and know where they're at in all lighting conditions, um that is going to be your best bet to try to combat yeah when re- can't regardless because honestly, what do we see? Thirty-five percent of them, maybe
1: forty. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it, I think it depends, and it depends too on what you consider seeing them. Yeah, that's like true. I, if I if I can see twenty-five percent of the ten ring, I would consider it seeing seeing the rings. Because okay. if I know where the ten is, I know, you know where the everything else is
0: at. Right. Okay. it. So,
1: you know, I hell, there have been plenty of times where I'm shooting at a deer at fifty yards, especially there in London, because we'll get especially midday when we. I guess it wouldn't have been this year, this this season, since we've been shooting the first day at uh, 9 o'clock every tournament. But in the past when we'd shoot at 11 or 1, especially in like London and Metropolis, places where there's a lot of tree cover, you know, and that sun's coming straight down, right. like usually only the top half of your rings are getting lit. Correct. So there have been plenty of times where I've been aiming at a deer at 50 plus, you know, 48, 49, 50 yards and I could see the upper; it's glowing like a son of a bitch. <laughs> but I, I just hate shooting at them because I always jump at the top. Right. And I've literally aimed at lowers, just staring at the upper and knowing that I need to, you know, that the, what the gap needs to be. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. aiming opposite of it to yep. aim yep. at the lower. So you know, you know it just chin. depends on what your preference is and what you feel like you need to see to aim at what you want to hit.
0: Exactly. And what's weird about those targets too, and I know, and I'm pretty sure this is to be true. All of the ten rings are all the same size. Every ten, every ten, and every Every 12. ten and every twelve are every they're 12, all, all the identical same. size. So, but I, but what kills me is you get on the large deer, the large alert deer, or you know, the the cinnamon bear gets me all the time too. They you look get, it's tiny. a lot of target, and they look tiny. They look tiny, and it, that, that that large deer, that spatial mean. reference will screw with your head. Or the turkey, turkey always look, see, makes, the, see the turkey to
2: looks that, huge to me. See, to me, I always think the turkey is like. They're just way smaller. Really, that's what my brain does to me. I don't know why. So that's, the turkey, I think, said, like he um, said, to the me, wolverine,
1: the, half the damn targets are ten. Yeah, seems to, yeah. to me, the turkey's easy, damn. To me because too. Because no, normally, I I thought it was weird they had it facing that way in the shoot off. But normally, when you're shooting at the turkey, you always shoot at the small side of the core. Yeah. you shoot so the lower,
3: like, or the upper on that one. I always shoot. He like shoots ninety nine percent,
1: ninety nine percent lowers. The only time I but shoot an tendency, upper is at the. Only time I shoot an upper is at the wolverine. And if the lower is clogged. So, so I'm like
0: the complete opposite of you. Yeah. I go up on
1: you game upper and everything
0: because you what's your tendency though?
3: Um probably dropping down dropping a little bit yeah, because so I like right. to well, hold like that much right below the 12
1: ring. So, and it, like when I do aim at uppers, if I'm gunning down on it, like I'll cut a half yard, even if I, <laughs> even if that, that thing could be painted neon
0: orange <laughs> and I will no cut no a shit. half yard to aim at it. Yeah. Because, because your you, tendency is to blow at the top. I will almost, if I miss, it's almost always at the top. Yeah, that's good. So that tells me Bridger pushes pretty freaking hard on his bow. That's number one. I mean, blow at the top, so, that's for sure. It's just,
1: the, it's all, I've always had that mass. Yeah. You know, whether I'm shooting 3D, field, target, right. doesn't matter. I've almost always had that mass.
0: So real quick, I want to talk about something else that's come up. Um, you and I have had this conversation a lot in the last month. Um, scores are getting ridiculous. I mean, they are just high. Even you, Brandon, you shot for the weekend. What you end up? 30 uh, 436 yeah she were 36 up means, and you hit more than well, half the bonus rings well somebody in my division they shot a 230 yeah that's what I'm saying so the, every division it seems like man lately you got you got to hit two thirds of them mm-hmm. to get in that? In podium contention. Well,
3: I was I, comparing the known 40 compared to the young adults because we are the guys, same.
0: And you guys are young adults, so you're shooting the same range as the K40. And I've looked at the sh- shoot. I mean, some of you guys are shooting better than most K40 shooters. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, literally.
1: That's not like all too uncommon, though. No.
0: But these young guys, man, they're just, they got such great they're eyes. Good. And they're getting, you know, great coaching now. And, <laughs> and uh, no. <laughs> not I'm to tear your own horn. <laughs> yeah. say, don't, but I'm serious. Don't you, guys are, you guys are getting nasty. I mean, it just wasn't that way five years ago, six years ago. Well, I mean, based off of my score, I would
3: have been third in the known 40. Yeah, exactly. Instead, I ended up fourth. fourth, for fourth. young adult. Mm-hmm.
2: If I had to guess, I'd say it's probably because a lot of these kids are, I mean, it might've been in the past where a lot of the young adult kids were just like bow hunters mostly and yep. they kind of shot for fun. Yeah, They're looking at it more now as like you would a football team, right? You yep. have kids going to summer practice and stuff. I think you got, especially if you're homeschooled, right? You have so much more time on your hands than other people. You can practice day and night. Oh, and there's no just doubt. Hammer. schooling
0: is a way to go if you want to be a professional archer. Seriously. I don't like, know about that. <laughs> You've seen my schedule. Well, it's because you have a Gestapo Brittany who's just like a slave driver, man. She is. A, well, <laughs> my my it, yeah.
3: backpack that I take to ASA that weighs yeah. 50 pounds. Yeah.
0: Most homeschoolers are good at archery because they're all nerds. They're, well, <laughs> Bridger said it for years. We're, we're a sport full of geeks. And nerds. That's probably a lot of truth to that. But what do you... I mean, so this, this tournament in Metropolis, it took 50 to get in the shootoff. Yeah. And so known pro.
1: I, I would say that this is the first pro range we've shot all year. The Really,
0: the first true pro range.
1: Yeah. Normally, Link-wise. dude, like... Got it. Uh, I mean, London wasn't too bad, but... What oh, was, Foley what was and before, What was before? Foley London? and uh, Fort Benning were... Terrible. Fort Benning was like so shooting a K... Like shooting a K forty five course. Yeah. I remember the first time I went to an ASA, I walked the K forty five course and I was like, "Man, I'd jump off a bridge if I didn't shoot thirty up." And that's yeah. how the first three courses we shot yeah. this year were, without a doubt. Like we I, shot harder local courses. Yeah, a hundred percent. Rules
0: course at Fletcher, a hundred percent.
1: So, like I would say that the Metropolis course was the first pro course we shot all year. Oh, man, they shot to see yeah. fifty up to make the shoot down is just dude unbelievable I remember, two, I remember two years ago we had like it was th- if you were poking 38 you had to get shot
0: well i seen perkins made a post it was so funny because in the shoot down he ran four out of five mm-hmm. and still got second four of five out of 5, 14s. Four out of five 14s. but <laughs> that goes ridiculous. to show you how
1: how much lighting like a change in lighting can change how we're impacting so most of the time when we're like when guys are going into the shoot downs and stuff, they are going from shooting outside in the timber to, to yeah. shooting indoors.
0: With with fluorescent light. lights and everything. Yeah. Now,
1: granted, like I, to me, I would feel at somewhat of an advantage in that situation because I shoot inside here a lot because right. it's been so have, damn hot and windy here. Right. So I know what my bow does, changing, going from outside to inside, and vice versa. Right. But I mean, most guys don't do that. Most guys just shoot outside all the time, or don't have the facilities where they can shoot fifty plus indoors. indoors right. So, like, it makes sense to me when we go to like you shoot for bedding at the indoor arena, or uh, where's the other one where we shoot inside?
0: Well, we shoot is it at Foley? fully indoors, oh, fully, yeah. fully at Benning. the convention
1: center, like inside. So, like, I get those ones changing to give us a different, you know, th- watch, which is why, like. I'm sure some people watch the known pro shoot down, and be like, God, these guys know how far away it is, and they're not dinging them every time. Like Because right.
0: to miss. show you when
1: you go from good lighting to different lighting, not even bad lighting, but different lighting, and now we went from shooting outside to shooting outside, and all the targets were, I mean, lit up. <laughs> so it makes sense <laughs> right. that to to me it made sense. We saw everybody hitting 14s and bonus rings like it, it was did. crazy. Be it in the known, you know, known pro or you know, Damn. hell, even Caitlin. Even do Caitlin in the women's sprouts, She's dude. the only one that hit a bonus ring that entire shoot off in the,
0: on that long deer. Well, even yeah, well, even the unknown guys. I mean, Levi and them and Danny. Dude, they, they were pounded 14s, and to go mm-hmm. after those things, not know. I think uh, Darren Christianberry was you know commentating and said it best. These guys have got to be within a half yard to hit that 14 ring. Yeah, hundred percent within a half yard. Yeah. I mean, out to fifty. I mean, these guys are just machines. It was—I was, thought that was one of the best shootoffs that I had watched in from a scoring, t- perspective, scoring perspective, perspective, and talent. Just watching the talent, you know, the guys shooting. But you know, Bridger, you and I have talked. I mean, is fifty to qualify getting to the point that we need to look at making this game harder? It's slippery slope because
1: like I don't know that it would do the same thing bumping the distance out distance out ten yards. I don't know how much difference that's gonna make when it comes to parity uh than like comparatively the x ring to the six ring did in field right you know Jesse won field nationals eight years in a row, and then we changed that changed the rule to have the x ring. Count as a six, and he's won one time since. Exactly. So I don't know that we'd see that kind of parity shift uh, going to a longer distance. I mean, right. potentially, maybe I would think we definitely would probably for the first you know two or three tournaments, just as guys figure out how to shoot it, figure out if we have to have different setups and that kind of
0: stuff. But we have great parity right now in Gnome pro. Yeah, I you mean, know, you think Kyle part, is the only guy? I think that's probably made. If not all of them, he's only missed one. If he has, mm-hmm. but other than that, Perkins has only made two this year, I think. You know, look at the guys we're in at this time. You, um, you had three guys who are, you know, yeah. including the winner well, who haven't no, shot, hit, they to, haven't made it at all.
1: Talking to Chance, I shot with Chance on the first day, uh, and he's like, Man, you know, it the you known obviously open pro is very insanely difficult. Like, you got guys like Dan and Levi and all the Danny machines, and all these, yeah. like. I mean, I I just plain don't have the talent to, range like look at a target, and know how far it is within a courtyard, right, and they right. de- I mean plain and simple they do right. But you look at that group, and there's three to five guys that could win any given day. And there, but I hate to say this, it's the same three guys in it every show. Well, that's what I mean. There's, there's five guys in that class that you're like, if I it would be a safe bet to put money on any of Correct. those five guys winning that tournament. Correct. There ain't other than Kyle and even then is saying like oh, yeah I'll probably make the shoot down like to win it. there's
0: 20 guys that could win a known pro on game. any given Sunday I agreed a thousand percent and it just depends on who's got the hot hand yeah that tournament yeah and that's what we've seen like look at Gross Gross won the first one out of Foley lights out and Gross well, has been yeah lower. hadn't been He's touched and now he hasn't even nowhere the last three times and that's what's funny you know you, I shot with Justin Hanna back in Benning and Justin made shoot down that and was hot dude he was on fire and he's been nowhere to be seen. And mm-hmm. Justin's a hell of an archer. But, the, you know, you like you said, you can name 20 guys that on any given Sunday are going to be up there potentially yeah. and win that. And that's what I love about the known pro. I was just wondering if you thought, because sometimes you think 50? They only miss five 12s out well, of 40 more, targets.
1: That was more than that.
0: No. 50, 50 up Sixty's up. 60 is claiming it, isn't it? 80. No, 80. No, my bad. Okay. Yeah. They're hitting more than half. Yeah, Bad math. <laughs> No, but still, but it's, I mean, that's a big score. They're shooting 13 plus a day. Like, yeah. you're you're hitting
1: two thirds of them. It's a huge score.
0: I what don't about know. you? What it, about you? Would you end up, should
1: you change
2: it, though? Does it end up becoming like Vegas, like first one to screw up? Sorry, guys. <laughs> you no,
0: know, it sucks. And that's what you don't want to happen because yeah, I, agree. I hate Vegas for that reason. It's a game of perfection. Yeah. Um, and we're not there at ASA. I just know 50 is a big number. It's a yeah. huge number.
2: But no, I'm wondering if people keep getting better at just continually gets there that's what asa becomes yeah. do you let it be that perfection game or do you end up changing well, it making targets smaller
0: extending distance whatever that may be so here we got a guy who shoots pro professionally has been for years and then we got a good guy over here brandon you want to potentially end up being a pr- pr- professional you're on the other side of it i mean do you think the game's too easy right now or um what are you talking about on which just tar- scoring is it are they is it high
3: you feel are you feeling the pressure to to, to not miss Yes, every tournament, it seems almost all of my division. You know, if you want to be in the top three, you got to shoot tw- over 20 up each day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're still younger, but that's still pretty good scores. I mean, like we were talking so earlier. you're hitting half of them. Yeah, you got to shoot over do 10. You, do you have that goal going into the
0: tournament? Is you're going to
3: try to hit half? I'd probably say going into it, my goal is to try to shoot 30 up every time. 30. I just try to go for that. I mean, I've come close but I haven't reached it yet Yeah, you know there's something you wish you could fix on one arrow every single tournament and I'm just not there to fix that yet trying to you know I don't have the experience y'all have let down when you know that shot's just a quarter of an inch off just let it down Mm -hmm. and I just probably need to get a little bit more experience and learn it a little bit better but it's so hard because you got to play so aggressive every time yeah and it doesn't matter I mean most of our targets are going to be around that 39 38 um we had i think three forty point six 40.6 yards at metropolis and you can't sit there and play safe on them
0: you literally what's have funny, to go for them bridger i know when he came in moved here a couple of years ago and him and i were talking and we were talking about strategy you know tournament strategy how do we play it and bridgers is real simple and you just shoot every freaking one of
1: them <laughs> and you, get, you
0: can't hit <laughs> you them you don't to. aim at them no you have to and what's funny is that you know for years we always played the game you know cut kind a of two yards down a 50 and hope for the best, you know, yeah. aim safe. Well, and,
1: and, you know, I think – I would think most of that mentality came from, you know, the origins of 3D where, go, you know, was well, you were not calling unknown. you old, but old guys like oh, yeah. you that came from shooting unknown. unknown 100%. To where you – I mean, you are playing a game in the unknown. Because yeah. you're – obviously, yeah, you're trying to hit 12s, get bonus rings, run your score up a little bit. But you can run your score up just as quick as you can throw it into the garbage. 100 so, which I mean, obviously that can happen in the known pro, you know, shooting known distance and stuff, but it's it's a totally different game when you know how far it is and what you gotta hit. And with the equipment we have now, how good a shooters you guys are now, like they hell, my easiest shot this weekend was a fifty yard chamois. Like I, I shoot all my all ninety percent of my practice arrows at three D targets, so I stand in the parking lot and shoot at fifty yards. Yeah, exactly. So
0: for me that was an easy shot I made all weekend. <laughs> yeah, and you guys had another what, another six or seven yarder? What was uh it? we had a five yarder, five yard five Panther. Five yard Panther. Gross. Five yard. They've been doing it to us every every tournament. Really? Five Well, to it's ten hilarious yards.
1: because guys don't like. I think it's funny. Like me, I we shot. I was shooting with Jesse when uh, we shot that target this weekend. I looked at Jesse. was like, man, I feel like we're the only two that like have a good advantage on this because you guys are field archers. Yeah, we're field, so we know how to do it. And it was so funny because we were with uh, Jace Boyles and Jace is like, yeah, man. After we had that one in London, I went from two yards and wrote down every mark, yardage mark from two all the way out to twenty. <laughs> I'm like. Well shit, you could just like log on to the computer and they'll tell you where to set it. You don't have to do any <laughs> of that stuff. If you can read Dude. a tape measure, you can yeah. figure this out. I like, wish oh, so you know, watching guy you know not saying three D archers aren't as technical as field, but from a we you know, like a sign equipment setup, yeah, yeah it's shots we, you guys never really take. Never
0: take no. So Yeah. It would you kind like of funny. Brandon? would you know where to shoot a five yard target?
3: um actually
0: yes okay because i
3: went in there and i found 50 well my range scale goes to 14 minimum but i found my 10 and my 5 just because 4ha likes to do that to us yeah but if we have a like a farther one at like 40 yards and it's a hard one like the bless box i despise the bless box because it's got that big open eight on the top what i try to do is i don't want to i play risky but i don't want to go too bad to where if I go a little bit high, like you're saying, mm-hmm. you don't want to go too high. I'll pretty much dissect that twelve ring in half, and most time, like I'm said, I'm shooting upper, so I'll aim for the lower side of that upper twelve. Yeah. This way,
1: even if I go just a little bit high, you're you still, still catch it. You well, should catch it. Yeah. You know, instead the, of being an the, eight, the way you play the game, and you know, that's still playing the game, but. The way you play the game is different, and it's a lot lower margin of error. So, well, like I had said, you know, you say you take a little bit off or aim at the the bottom of the 12 in the event that you jump high because there's so much dead space above it. It's easy to get drug up there. But, like, for me, I cut yardage when I shoot at the uppers. The game you're playing is more trying to marginalize your misses to where, you know, like you can miss it but still have an opportunity at it Versus, you know, like I don't know if it's forty-two or forty-four yards, so I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna put it on forty-three and aim at the center. Okay, so let me answer question. What you just said, because I think it's what a lot of guys do. Is that a what I call a negative reinforcement way of shooting? Because what you just said is, I think what a lot of us do. We're trying to marginalize what our miss is going to be. Well, my- instead of just so let me ask you a quick, like Kyle, I wish Kyle and I, I want to talk to him about this so bad because you know he's. The guy's hot as a firecracker right now. Is he aiming and gunning at every twelve? Just putting that pin on that spot that he knows it's at and executing that shot. I mean, probably. He probably I, is. I would say, I would
1: say most guys, yes. And I even for me, like I, dude, if that target is fifty point seven yards, I put my sight as close as I can physically get it to fifty point seven, and
0: I aim and where you that aim right is. at it. But. So you don't like aim I, you don't aim connector low or connector high. No, I just aim you say that. If I'm so worried about missing low difference? or missing high, I just move you my. You understand sight. What, I'm, what I'm talking about here. So, I'd like to hear you discuss it, you're aiming what I call aim safe. So, like know? yesterday, I didn't have any eights; it was all tens and twelves because
3: I know as soon as you hit an eight, you got to pretty much double up your twelves.
0: Yeah, and but you, but you, but you will aim on the safe side of the twelve ring. What we call aim, yeah. aiming connector, which you know, there's a lot of thought that are we aiming to marginalize our miss? So that's in our head, that's negative reinforcement when we but, should be confident in our equipment, confident hitting behind the pin and gunning for every single 12, regardless. I'm yes. i to
1: talk to Kyle. Go ahead. I mean, yes and no. Like, I mean, I've been shooting my, I've been shooting bow professionally for damn near 10 years. Like, yeah. got a lot of experience. I know where I'm at, like I, if you know I'm going to miss, I know where it's going to go. Like <laughs> for the most part, I know what my misses are. If yeah. I, you know, if I'm over aiming at it and I push it too much to try and get it to sit, like I'll usually pop it a little bit at the top. If I get a little antsy on the release and I give that sucker a good yank, it's, it's going low. an inch and a half left. Exactly. Like I, okay, I just yeah. know where my misses are. So right. for me, like for me, because I have all that experience, it's easy for me to play into that hand. So right, right. like I, I can still miss and hit it you know, and that just comes with time and experience. Like right. there's nothing, there's no prep you can do other than going to tournaments and understand what you do. Now, whether you let it fester and eat at you to the point where it's like, oh, I don't want to miss any of this. Don't want to miss any of this way. Cause I always do. And you know, you start blowing, you know, for me, it'd be like me if I said, oh, I always miss them out the top and I start right. cutting yardage on every yard or on every target and missing everything out the bottom. So yeah. You know, it's just knowing, knowing your tendencies. I wouldn't right. even say shooting to your misses, but shooting to your tendencies. So, right. and that, all that just comes with experience. experience so, right. I'm, for me, playing safe is, you know, if I if there's an arrow on the top of the 12, I aim at the upper. Well, and you know, it's like, hard for me to, it's, I have more of a chance, like if somebody's a half shaft top of the 12, I have more of a chance of hitting that arrow and deflecting it an down eight, right. than I do like that chances of that happening are higher than me cutting a half yard gunning at the upper and you know, make if I break the best shot of the day, if I only cut a half yard and I break inside out on that 12, I'm going to be hanging on to the bottom of it, right. you know, fairly safely. Right. And if I jump up high and break high
0: or break just over top, I can still catch the top of it. Yeah. So, and that's you once again, knowing the tendency that you have. Right. So, shot I'm, shot.
1: you know, right. it's safe, but it's, it's not so safe that if I, you know, I have a greater opportunity of missing. I'd rather, I'd rather just straight up miss and shoot an eight, knowing I made a good shot, and come back and hit a twelve on the next one, because then it's evened out to two tens. Correct. Versus me saying like, oh, I really don't want to miss this one, so I'm going to cut a full yard aiming at the upper, or I'm going to add a half yard right. aiming at the lower and shoot a ten, and then do the same thing on the next target. Because then you're in the same boat exactly hell you're better off shooting a 12 and an 8 than you are shooting a 10 and a 10 because then at least you get the bonus ring you absorbing this well i know we had a
3: discussion about this amongst our my team at metropolis is i had two brothers and one of them said that he he likes to aim at the ibo and he moves a yard yard and a half up or down yeah and i'm like that's a smart idea but i guess that's kind of personal preference i'd rather put it right on it and aim where i want to
1: yeah, and I mean, for me, because my brain's so analytical, like, I need to know where I'm hitting, so it's tough for me to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just add a half yard and aim center or add a, take a yard off and aim center. Like, a yard off at 37 yards is going to be a different impact point than a yard off at 48 yards. 50, exactly. But yeah, good if the target's at 40 yards and I put my pin on 40 yards and it doesn't hit behind the pin that I know the adjustment I need to make for the next target. Right. If I put my side at, you know, if it, if the target's at 45 and I put my side at 43 and a half to try and drop into the lower and it doesn't hit the lower then I, then I'm just having to go to the, take that to the next target and just know like, Oh, well I can't cut a yard and a half. And now I'm at a different distance. to so try and figure out what the math needs to be for me to cut exactly. either more or less on a longer, or shorter target to figure out how much I need to drop it. So there's just a lot more variables when you're playing that game. Not that that's a bad game to play because there's guys that have a ton of success with it, especially in the unknown. Um, but, man, in the known, it's just so much easier to say, this is where my pin was when it fired, this is the distance it was, and this is where it hit. So it's easier to make that adjustment than it is, you know, like, oh, I cut a half yard, but my side tape's off. You know, my sight tape's off a half yard. So I got to cancel these two out and then add more for this distance and take some off for that it's distance. It's too much math. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like there's just less to think about. Yeah. And I mean, it, maybe it's just me, but the less my brain's working, usually the better <laughs> off I am.
3: Well, I'd rather, so, I'd rather know that I missed that shot than know that I made a calculation error trying to get it up there. Right. Oh,
1: well, and that's the thing is like it, anytime you can eliminate variables to. A understand your equipment better. B be able to make, uh, be able to make adjustments on the fly so that you know instead of having I have one bad shot or I, my sights off and I shoot an eight. If I know what I need to make for an adjustment on that, so then you know the next three targets after that I hit three twelves. That's way better off than me. Shooting an eight, not really sure why it happened, and then make a big adjustment and then shoot two tens back to back. Now I'm still down two points as opposed to being up two points. Correct. You know that's a four point swing.
0: Yep. And in our game, that's that, that's I mean how that's it, a lot. You don't man. win, yeah, yeah. You not win doing that. I mean, there's no way. So God, that's crazy. That's good stuff, though, man. Good stuff. I mean, for guys like me and Braden who don't get to shoot a lot, we're yeah. we need to be Amy center ten and cutting yardage and just praying for the best.
2: Now at this point, I'm just. Aim center 10 and we'll see what happens yeah, from there. Exactly. I have no expectations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Hey, so we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about 4.8. So once again. We're only an hour in. Yeah. Brandon, you, uh, you've been you know, nominated and got awarded the, the national ambassador. Um, why don't you talk about a little bit, you know, real quick, how'd you get into archery?
3: So I actually just kind of shot hunting bow, like my Halon 32 for a while. And I just, you know, shot off and on. It's nothing like I do now. I just, you know, shoot probably once, twice a week. And I used to do it just for fun. I'd go set apples and that up there. I'd go back and shoot 50 yards. And I felt like, you know, if I missed a shot, it wasn't as bad. But I was just kind of going in there and just shooting the Halon 32. You know, I always shot Matthews. So used to it. Well, I never really, I never knew that archery competition was a thing like I never heard of that um the only thing I knew was that there was the Olympics on TV recurve right and I'd met, met Josh Davis the swimmer and I kind of wanted to be an Olympian but I didn't really know much about archery so I was just like I'm probably never going to do it um so one day my 4H county extension agent when I was in Tilden he was like why don't you just come over to practice one day he'd never seen me shoot and I was like, okay, you know, I just try it. I know it's not going to be very good. Well, I ended up going there and I ended up being probably the best on the team. And I did really good at it. Um, we shoot the modified 600, the big old bells. Um, and then for fun, they'd take the 3D targets out and they'd go set them up at different yardages. Yeah. Well, just kind of going in, he was like, oh, well, y'all, you really need to go to district with us. And I ended up showing the district just with a hunting bow. I get there, and I see all these big competition, but I'm like, oh, there ain't no way. I ended up pulling first off in the unknown 3D
0: and in the modified. So you did 4-H, which is how you got entered into archery, basically. Yes. Hey, which, we're, we're, real quick, too. We're going to gonna, gonna take a little rabbit hole trip here real quick. Did you guys hear there's been a petition with the World Archery to have compound in the next Olympics at, at L.A. in eight years?
1: Indoor lane, in,
0: indoor lane. Yeah. So, Bridger, what's your take on that? Put us on a field
1: course. Do you think it should
0: be in the Olympics, though? The compound. I mean, I'm fine either way. What about I you? Really
1: care less. But, do you think that's a
3: good thing? I've heard both sides because I know once you do it, then it's Vegas and all that. It's like the money is kind of gone. I mean, Vegas
1: money isn't going anywhere.
0: No, but you know what? I so I took me and cousins talked a lot about this. God, it's been probably five, six years ago now. Um and I agree with Dave. I, I, I my fear is if world archery takes over, compound. Um, Dave believes, and I agree with him, that it could be the death of professional archery. Where let's just be honest here, recurve archery has been around for hundreds of years, um, and you can't name anybody outside of Brady Ellison who shoots a recurve.
3: I wouldn't want to go versus him with compound. Well,
0: but, but here's the thing, though, he's one guy making money. There's nobody else making money in that sport. Because the IOC, um, the USOC, actually, United States Olympic Committee, they control the dollars. The funding from the manufacturers goes into the USC to help fund the teams that go and compete internationally through the Olympic organizations. Brady's their poster child. There are but, you know, guys out there that shoot. They're good. Brady's, of course, amazing. But how many guys do we have shooting compounds now making a living shooting a bow? Probably about 20, mm-hmm. you know, roughly, I want to say, maybe more. I, the fear is, is that goes away because now those twenty dollars, those dollars that go to those twenty guys, goes into the USOC to pick their one, two, three guys, and this is what they do in every sport. I mean, Nancy Kerrigan when it was skating, she was it. You know, um, I can't name any of the the, the the gymnasts, but the way the USOC has always worked, they have one poster child that they go and put their money on, and from endorsements to growing the sport, so on and so forth. So now you take all that money and put it down, to, down to, to to be controlled by one organization who then controls who it goes to, there's a potential that professional archery goes away. That's like the government. Theory. Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's a bad idea, personally. Horrible idea. Yeah. I mean, I have money. to see that side of
1: it, but there's also a side of the market with compound archery that is non-existent with recurve, and that's uh, the hunting side of it. And which – if we're being honest, that from archery as a whole, hunting is ninety percent, one hundred percent, yeah, is ninety percent of the archery business. Right, like I mean, right. there's no no way around that. So I don't know. I my only hang-up is I wish they guy, which just send us outside to have a shoot field course. Yeah. Like I say, it makes have to actually be talented.
0: Well, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just a, it, you don't. It's just whoever has a you hot hand in indoor. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And they gotta they gotta. Say that oh they need it to be a
1: different game, blah blah blah. Hell there's three on three basketball, five on five basketball. There's eight thousand different swimming events. and exactly. they all take place in the same damn pool. Right. Like but, you know, having two completely different pieces of equipment make the you know, with that yeah. have the same name, you know, as far as the shooting sport that it is, right make it too similar. Also, yeah. I feel
2: like you can market, especially to the hunting people. If you're gonna market somebody, it's gonna be easier to Show people like, hey, look at this guy that's winning all these tournaments, shooting 3D foam animals versus well, hell, shooting a spot. The like, hunters like, are gonna. I
1: wouldn't say shoot 3D. I don't think that'll ever. No, that that wouldn't work out with world archery and all but, the well. No the archery. Archer that I'm just field, saying if you show if you show a redneck from Alabama, video of a dude shooting four arrows into a target standing in the woods, he's gonna be a hell of a lot more impressed than. Showing, showing that same in guy standing area. at 20 yards at a, yeah. shooting at a target that he shoots at at his local bow club yeah. every week. Be like, oh, shit, yeah. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's what I'm saying. going to be impressed by that. Yeah, Whereas that's what i Go show anybody a video of the old Pro Series stuff where they're like that year that uh, oh. Ben England won everything. They're shooting in a Straight castle in air, bro. 18 meters <laughs> yeah. at like – 50 degrees, degrees. Yeah. or yes, the, exactly. the one in Wales where they're shooting in the, uh, God, that old mining, the old mine
0: mm-hmm. facility or I whatever is it is that then
1: yeah. oh, yeah. it's like a 65 yarder. And that thing is like 45, 50 it's, degrees yeah. up.
0: Yeah. 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 Like that's, hard to say. that's
1: way more impressive to look at. Yeah. Than that's what I'm saying. I'm saying ch- chance at 20 yards, wearing out the center. Exactly. Every yeah. 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 No, that's wearing what I was saying. And, like, whatever, Matthews,
2: yeah. isn't going to take all their money and throw it into Olympic stuff because like, no, just they're just they're getting not getting the sale day. for it. So yeah, they're exactly. Just... They're going to stick their, more of their money where the redneck is going to be impressed because exactly. he's the one that's buying all their hunting equipment, yeah. not
0: some kid that's wanting to yeah. go shoot the Olympics. They're anyways, just... I just wanted to talk about that. I forgot about that. It was something I wanted to bring up today. But anyways, going back to you. So you started off in 4-H. That was kind of like your gig. Um, and then you migrated into 3-D a little bit. Because in 4-H, you do a little bit of everything. Yes. Yeah, so... You do FIDA, correct? It's not field archery. It's Fita. One 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 yard it's is 50 sixty yards?
3: fifty forty. I can't remember. Just a walk. Modified
0: six hundred. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then you shoot three D.
3: You got three D modified. And then you've got clout. <laughs> um. We shoot one hundred and twenty oh, yards. We'll talk about all this here in yeah. a quick second. We shoot the hundred and twenty yards in the air, and we arch the arrow into the big exactly. circle on the ground,
0: spray right. painted. Oh, uh, clout. Lord has no idea. Clout archery. That. I mean, it's just that's insane. As a little kid, it's fun. No, it's insane. <laughs> and then there's
3: wand. So wand was based off of the castles back in the day. And the archers had to shoot through the castle walls. Yeah, yeah I think it's an inch or so, around an inch for the pretty much the for the middle wand, and yeah. then you get one point for hitting that dill, and then everything else is no points. Gotcha.
0: So, 4-H though, it does a lot more than just archery because you compete in other things in 4-H. Yes. Which are.
3: So I do livestock judging, um, showing steers. There's just, and it's not just archery and shooting sports. I mean, you got the shotgun, the pistol, hunting and wildlife, muzzle loader, rifle. Um, They just introduced uh, Western heritage. So you pretty much create a character from back in the day, like a real life one, and you got to research and find all this stuff about them. And then you go out there and you shoot the pistol, the twenty-two, the shotgun, and your kind, like,
0: kind of like three gun, kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah, kind of a modified three gun. Actually, that's pretty dang cool that you guys do that. I think. Well, and uh, Braden Cummings, you came out of 4H. Yeah, I started. I stole H is you from them. <laughs> yeah, 4H is what
2: started me in archery, ago,
0: and you started doing it also. Yeah. Did you compete in anything else with just archery?
2: Um, so we. Whenever we first started doing 4-H, we started in archery, and then I think maybe the following semester or whatever it was, we kind of looked at doing a little bit of rifle. We did one. We did. A, we went to a few of the rifle classes where it was really just air gun. They didn't shoot 22. We didn't have a range for it. Um, and then we started doing. Um, we started doing rifle and pistol like competitions because a lot of the time. All the archery competitions would have rifle and pistol competitions going at the same
0: time. So, so we might as well while you're there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We would shoot the archery competition in the morning. Then we would go and shoot the pistol competition and the rifle competition just because we were there. We already had the guns for it, anyways, because right. we have those. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. I didn't really get into the pistol and rifle
0: much. I just kind of did it for fun because for we we're the there. the heck of it. Right. Yeah.
2: Archery is what I really enjoyed the most.
0: Exactly. So, Braden, I know you've won a lot of crap in 4 so, H. What have you won?
3: Um I into, I think I think it's around 20 some medals I've won in 4H. Yeah. Just because of state games, your district shoots. Um I've also won some buckles. So in Houston, Houston Livestock Show they put on a shoot. It's gone, I think it's the last 3 years. Um I missed out one year, but so you shoot the first day and you have to qualify to be in the top 8. And then once you make the top 8 you know, it's kind of like brackets. They put yeah. you in brackets. Right. And then you go into shootoffs, and whoever wins, you just keep on doing it. How many kids were in these events, roughly? Just
0: ballpark <laughs> it. Which, what
3: kind? Well, state games? State or, games,
0: yeah. How many is under, 200?
3: Um, let me see. I'd probably have to say state games, it's got all the deals. I'd probably say that's about it. Yeah. What about, what about the roundup? Roundup is always going to be a little bit less than state games, just because... It's one 3D. It okay. doesn't have all the events. Gotcha. So I think this year, I'm guessing there was probably around 70, 70-ish, if I had to guess.
2: Is March Madness still going on?
0: I when I was, when
2: I was there. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, there's a March Madness <laughs> there's a, So whenever I was there, the two biggest was, f- was State Games and then March Madness, it was in
3: Austin. Those were the two biggest shoots whenever I was there. Gotcha. So March Credit, I've been out for like 5 6 years. Yeah. March Madness, I think they went, went did away with that or okay. I don't know of it. I know they'd have the extravaganza that's held in Brownwood. Yeah,
2: maybe that's what it was. I I it was always explained or to me it was always called March Madness, so that might have been
3: it. Well, the extravaganza you sh- you can do all the different disciplines and try it all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so like if you're a first-time person get into it you can try the events and see which ones you like. So okay.
0: I, I tell you what, I have a love hate relationship with 4-H because, and we're going to talk about this stuff because, you know, I'm of the opinion that um, there needs to be some change and we need to foster change through guys like you, you know, this is your last year as a, um, and not an adult that you can compete and, and operate within 4H and, um, you know, I I said a second ago I stole him from 4-H. You know, and and Kenna also came from 4-H. I've had, I got some really really good archers, talented people that I took out of 4-H because I, there are some things I disagree with what they do. Um, like for I'll tell you now the clout game. I don't like that we teach young kids how to shoot a bow straight up in the air. Um, I think that's unsafe. I it's a non-needed skill set um, that has no relevance in today's archery world. If anything, because of the way we are more compact as a society, you know, if you have little Johnny, who's nine years old, and he goes back to his subdivision and decides to shoot his bow straight up from there to practice for clout, how do you yell at him? Um, I, I, I mean, I just have an issue with that. Um, and, and I understand that it probably came from a time where there was some relevancy in that skill set potentially. Um, medieval times i don't know because i just think it i mean bridget you grew
1: oh every kid every kid their backyard oh, shot. <laughs> did the old grown-up scene yeah shoot exactly. straight up in the air see how it's kind of cool no. but yes i agree with you like you know little johnny probably shouldn't be doing that in the middle of the no.
0: residential neighborhood but, no but uh, i mean but you could see where a kid would do that and yeah. that's kind of well scary. yeah
1: that's what i'm saying It's like every kid does that anyways yeah you know, don't give them any
0: more encouragement, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know, um, but you got you shoot it every year, and it is definitely we got to do it. This is my first that. year to shoot it, really, because I had
3: to skip out on a few because of target panic. I had target panic, and one year I just couldn't make it. But this is my first year to actually compete in clout, and I was going for overall champion, so right. you have to do it, right? But I say you probably need a more different set of equipment for it.
0: You do. You need a recurve, really. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I think there needs to be some some equipment restrictions, like a recurve with flu-flu arrows where the maximum distance an arrow can shoot is 65 or 70 yards, let's say. Then we have more control. But a guy going out there with a compound potentially, not knowing any better, is shooting a carbon fiber arrow. I mean, a carbon arrow, like a pro comp. Dude, you can shoot the thing 600 yards in the air. And I'm telling you, my issue is... I don't care how big the field is, the thermals that are here at ground level versus the thermals that are at 600 feet in the air or are, are 600 yards are far different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have air flows. that can, can go every which way but loose. And it's just a matter of time before somebody gets hurt. The liability for me is way too great. I, I just totally think that that, once again, a non-needed skill set in today's environment, why we do it is beyond me. There's got to be, and once again, that's part of, you know, migration into where our equipment is, where the talent level is, and these things are getting faster and better and more accurate. And we, you know, clout probably could have been a viable thing 20 years ago because the, let's be honest, it both sucked. They were, they were, they weren't capable of shooting, 300 feet per second. Well, and we shot aluminum arrows that were huge.
2: You well, know? when I shot Cloud, I only did it one year, but I was shooting an old PSE Spider. Mm-hmm. And I still, like, I would look down the line and I'd see these recurve guys way up here. Whereas with my compound, even though I was a little kid and it wasn't a very fast bow, it was super old. Yeah. I was still probably only here. I think I was using like my limb pocket as my aiming it's point. I was like, point, yeah. I was just like looking at my limb pocket and putting that kind of in the middle of the exactly. target.
3: What kind of release were you using? Just a little trigger release
2: i was like seriously like it was a bow that my dad got he traded something for it and my mom was supposed to be the one shooting it i ended up picking it up because she didn't ever shoot it so that's
0: what i just ran with well and then you know so anyways neither here nor there i just think that we should be looking at ways to bring 4-h into the 21st century um, because i see them not changing with the times and that's where i have an issue that i wish they would upgrade their rules, their, their, their competitions. I mean, the other thing we have out there, and I see this every time that we have the four, h state games here locally at the, at the national shooting complex here in Texas. Um, you know, I get these parents come in and they get really frustrated because they're buying two dozen arrows at a time for their children um, because they have in the 3d is unknown and it's out to 60 yards. I mean, that's hard on this me. man Snow right here him. shoots 50 yards maximum as a professional archer. Um, Levi Morgan, who shoots professionally, shoots 50 yards max. Um, and you guys are now doing 60 could be nine years old and and it's unknown, unknown, which means you're guessing. And these parents are complaining that, man, it's almost too expensive for me to, to have my son shoot, you know, 4-H because I spend so much money on arrows. Here's the deal. The unknown division in ASA, which is the largest one, even the IBO, looking at international bowhunter organization. The attendance factor in that class versus the known is three to one. You've got 20 some guys shooting unknown, and you got close to 100 known pros. There's big parity because, let's be honest, very few guys or gals go out in the woods without a rangefinder to hunt deer anymore. The rangefinders 20 years ago were not a common item. We, you know, 3D, I think, was created to teach us how to judge because we couldn't afford a rangefinder, we never carried them. Yeah. I mean, This is back when I was a young kid, um, but now a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but now they're a hundred some bucks, and yeah. everybody's got them. Or you can and buy. Them, so you could buy a used one for fifty. Fifty, exactly. <laughs> so teaching these kids, and I mean, I feel bad for these parents because they—you can see it in their eyes—they're dejected. They're like, "Man, I'm going to spend hundred fifty dollars, and he's going to lose half of these." Well, like when we started
2: the whole thing, like we talked about doing trap and skeet, but Dad was like shells are expensive dude
0: heck yeah with
2: archery you can reuse your bullets right? so that's why we liked it so much but when when you're out there shooting unknown and you're shooting clout that if you miss it a little bit it's going in the woods and don't even bother looking for it
0: like well once again i uh, it's a non an unneeded skill set in today's archery environment once again migrating to the times if we could maybe make that a known shoot a known distance shoot Or maybe class it two different ways. You can pick to shoot unknown or shoot known, however you want to do it. Um, I just think that needs to happen. And I I agree. I think the attendance level would increase significantly. Significantly. These parents that come in here, I mean, let's be honest, 4-H is is kind of developed. And I love this organization because it's for everybody. Uh, Yeah, because there's so many opportunities for everybody to do. Exactly. So with that being said, let's not make it a money game by buying two dozen cheap arrows or even... Good arrows for your child. There's no way. Let's be honest. How many arrows do you go through a year on average? Lose? No, just go through. Yeah, yeah. lose. How many would you
3: lose? Um, Missing a target. Well, two? I've kind of gotten a little bit better at it. Being I, but I'm older. I'm a senior. Two or three? Probably two. Yeah, exactly.
0: But I mean, Wait, I'm Bridger a senior. Can go, Bridger can go a whole year on his same dozen arrows. The only reason he breaks them is... Self-inflicted because he's like, "Screw this!" <laughs>
1: hey man, you know. <laughs> we talked about that. This I point. think your biggest thing yeah. is, would be retention. That'd probably be your quickest. Yeah, to or, retain th- kids think, and yeah, sport. your your participation retention. You know, even g- whether it's cutting the max distance, going to known yardage, or both. Because yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. It's always more fun
0: to be good. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm not saying making it easier on everybody, but. Clearly, if the elite 3D or the most popular 3D professional 3D organization out there is doing ten yards less and known distance, yeah, yeah, exactly, you probably give you could probably make a quote unquote. If you want to call it
0: easier, you can make it a little easier. Exactly. On the 10-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Ten.
1: Yeah, a, yeah. That's a thing. 10 and
0: you're shooting 60 unknown, bro. Oh no, 50. Uh, Why
1: do you think I quit 3D when I was 10? Because I didn't want to do any of that. <laughs> exactly. Well,
2: and that's probably part of like the issue with retention as parents are like, okay, we'll try it for a year. The kid ends up losing two dozen two arrows. arrows? i like, well,
1: yeah, we th- can't afford this. Well, A, you can't afford it. B, the kid's like, God, I, I suck. I suck. Yeah. This yeah. sucks. <laughs> It yeah. sucks to suck. I do, it's yeah. not fun. It's, yeah. it, I've said it a million times. It's always more fun to be good. Absolutely. If you find
0: something that you excel at, the chances of you enjoying that are a lot higher. Yeah. Well, and you, you just said it a second ago. And look at what's so the IBO, when I was young, ruled everything. You were shooting the, mm-hmm. triple, the triple Crown up the Northeast, it was all unknown distance. IBO was the game. But when rangefinders became, I want to say probably about 20, 25 years ago, when they became more in vogue and easier and cheaper, when ASA created a known class, ASA took over archery. They, they own IBO now. There's not even, they aren't even in the same zip code from a standpoint, and retention, archery retention. Um, and there's nothing to be said. Like Bridger hit the nail on the head. That right there is marketing 101. You want to grow your organization. You want to make it relevant. You make it known because we don't shoot. I don't hunt without a rangefinder anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's just just reality. I mean, I don't have time. And this is the other thing. It's time. You as a young adult, you as a young person, how much time, free time do you have? Oh, Scott, you've seen my schedule. Zero. No, seriously. So you don't have time to go out and judge range and judge targets to become a, to become effective at that. I used to when I was younger and I was a lot better. This year I but was now? kinda
2: yeah. Give it up. But no even still do. like you have the ability to use a rangefinder whereas guys like Levi or whatever grew up learning how to range for themselves. So he has a, like two decades on you of practice with this. 100%. Like, there's They're it's
0: not catching those guys. Yeah, there's
2: no way you can catch up to that. No,
0: I mean unless you got now granted th- there's a guy Jacob Salazar I think pronounce his name that just Lazar. beat him. They just won. He just oh, yeah. won in uh in uh, Metropolis. And he came out of nowhere. But look at what, I mean. He's a savant, though. I mean, to look at the type of stuff that he. Out of grew the up Northeast. Out of the yeah.
1: Northeast. He, he, IBO? You know, he IBO. primarily grew up playing IBO. But, I mean, the judge of distance game, yes, it is a learned skill. But man, some people has got some people have the eyeballs for it and some people don't. Exactly. And not to say that you, it's not something you can't learn and not something that you can't improve upon. But, man, it's just one of those things. Like, some people got it and some people don't. And I – man, I do not got it. Now, granted, (laughs) I I haven't, like, looked at targets and tried to to judge them for 15-plus years. No way. So, you know, for me to just come out and say, yeah, I can't do it, I haven't really tried. But, like, you know, I could walk through the course. And, like, Jesse and I were judging a couple targets when we shot on Saturday. And he's like, yeah, I never judge targets. I just – you know, going off of what I look at, I look at them and then arrange them like I'm not judging them. I just, you know, kind of have a ballpark and neither of us judge it. Jesse was judging everything within, you know, uh, four yards, three, three or four, four yards. yards. Yeah. I I walked up and it was off by six yards. <laughs> that's a a zero
0: that's a zero
1: zero. so like to say it's yes it is a learned skill and obviously i can improve upon that but man it it is something that some people have and some people don't like
0: then can you imagine teaching and trying to teach a 10 year old that
1: oh dude like i mean again i said (laughs) that is why growing up like all we had was ibo for a state organization outside of our uh, local bowhunter stuff and it was always the closest, uh, national level events. Correct. So I grew up shooting IBO and I, damn, I quit shooting cause I got my ass kicked all the time and it wasn't very fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, I go, went to a target. shoot and was like, okay, well, I, I like archery and I can beat people when I do this, it's more fun to be good. So right. that's why I got away from 3d as a young kid and what got me into FiTA and indoor and all that stuff. So yeah. Well, you know, it, like it—not to say like that having that skill set's a bad thing, or that that is a specialized skill set is a bad thing, because it's not. It, yeah, I agree. I'm like insanely impressed by those guys because they can do something that I can't do. Yeah. So, and I I enjoy watching and talking and you know learning from the guys that yeah. are able to do it. But man, if you're just trying to grow the sport as a whole, trying to get more kids into it, find something that That's not they're the going to enjoy. Do it. Yeah. Man, running something that oh. hard is tough. Well, I felt tough so bad stomach. this
3: year because down
1: in Mercedes,
3: and it happens at every shoot, kids are getting kicked out because of the arrow size. Vegas gives you that 23 diameter leeway for your tip because oh, your tip's man. always got to be bigger. Once again,
0: that's rules, yeah.
3: but That's an archaic rule. I felt so bad because the kid got kicked out and he didn't have any other arrows, and I didn't have any I could give him. Cause at that time I only had like four arrows and that
0: well, was, well. so what the, what it is. And I don't know if you've ever seen it Four H has, it has a template thing. It's a tool and you like got to be the, able to slide the your ring? arrow in it. No, you got to be able to slide your arrow inside of it. And the problem well, I mean is
1: world archery in USA have used Like they have a judges template, which is called get, uh, the gator air. Uh, arrow but here's gator. The
0: thing. Yeah. It's like a ring. Yeah. Like you, the old bare bow ring. You could have see a, a, a you know, a top hat point, that could be off by three thousand, and it's not going to slide through there, and you're you're done. Well, dude, those you're, you're. those things are off all the time. There, so I went and shot the Texas
1: State indoor deal where they had the twenty five hundred dollar sheet thing, yeah. whatever, in Houston, and there was a dude that had X cutters, it's like two or three guys in front of me in line for equipment check this is a USA Archery, you got to check equipment, and right. they use the same type of same type of things, either the calipers or they have a little block that has the arrow size deal. It's five millimeters or five centimeters, so they can measure the rest and all this other garbage with it. And guy walked up with his X cutters, dude picked it up, slipped it right through the hole, and was all fine and dandy. And that arrow is twenty-four, three hundred twenty-four or three too large. Yes, you can't shoot for that theoretically for any USA deal because it's the same deal. Uh, 23, 23 max, nine point three millimeters, whatever. Right. And his arrow went through there, no problem. And I looked at the judge. And I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna let you know. Uh, probably need to get that thing and rechecked because I think was it a 4H one where you got pegged for having yeah. ps 23s And I've watched guys shoot world, literally shoot world records with that arrow. Yeah. And you know, I get it. There's manufacturer discrepancies every once in a while. Concentricity of an arrow can change. You can get slightly bigger diameter if you. I remember when we came out with uh, when I was shooting for Gold Tip and they came out with the 9.3s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was shooting, I can't remember if it was in Neem or in uh, Telford when they had it in England that year. But I literally, I had to go and sand off my labels. Are you kidding me? So the label wouldn't fit through. <laughs> like the arrow man. was so close to to max diameter wow. that it would hang up on the label and the guy's
0: like, ah, like, No. Sandpaper. Can't do
1: it. Like, I literally had to go
0: sandpaper my <laughs> labels wow. off. But that is an issue though, but, because you've just happened to get
1: yeah, use- those, those tool, the tooling and stuff for those is not consistent. No. Enough. So like I, I, measure, I measured yours. Well, well and Scott's for, actually found the arrow that works because I
3: got to shoot 23s because all the other events. Right. And we found the arrow that works where I can shoot 4H and all the other events. It's that PS 23 but it's really yeah. depends upon the spine the point and, and the, the, the tip and the point. Exactly. Because my arrow fit through perfectly now. But when I got kicked out of Dallas, I was using, um, I believe, the Easton Eclipses. Mm-hmm. And if you jerked out the bushing and the knock, it would fit. But with the bushing and then the tip, it wouldn't go through. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any backup arrows.
1: So we drove up to Dallas and I got kicked out. Um, See, it's wild, me Because I. Like man, you again, same type of deal. You're trying to grow the sport, trying to get more yeah. people involved. Like, why even bother having stipulations? If a kid if a twelve year old kid shooting thirty pounds, forty pounds, Once wants to show up with a twenty five inch draw length <laughs> and twenty four inch triple X's, like Let him have at it. He ain't going to shoot any higher score because that arrow's coming out of there. Like dirt. Oh, dude. (laughs) He ain't shooting a
0: piece of rebar. Exactly. Like it's, let the kid kid shoot. it ain't going to change nothing. And that's ignorance of the sport too because let's be honest, if your tip is bigger than the shaft by three or four thousandths and it can't go through there, there's actually less competitive advantage in that because your tip makes a bigger hole than the shaft. So in theory, your tip could cut the line, but your shaft sit outside the line. It's actually hurting you as an archer. If anything, you want your tip to be smaller than the arrow shafts. So you have a good tight entrance hole on a on a paper toilet. Well, it.
1: on a three. Well, I was going to say on three D. the three point actually helps. Would it's help you on three D, but displacing yeah. foam and then put but on it. On a, it. But, but on paper, on paper, no paper like it's it doesn't matter. No, like, it just I, doesn't matter. The, no. you are not seeing the change. You're not like unless it is out of the machine we used to use at Carbon Express to test arrow yeah. arrow flight, which was literally a CO2 gun yeah. shooting an arrow, then there's nothing that, you know, arrow diameter isn't going to change anybody's scores. No, 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 no. Like, no. just let the kids shoot whatever they're going to shoot. Exactly. Like, no holes barred. You know, yeah. uh, run run what you brung. Run what you
0: brung, exactly.
3: Well, that's what I feel so bad for this year is the kid, I was talking to the kid and they got kicked out because of his arrows and then they also made his cover up or bubble bubble.
0: That's another one I don't get. But, yeah. I felt so bad. They make you cover your bubble up. Really? Yeah. For, which just goes against everything when it comes to, not so much being accuracy, but then it becomes a, a, a an eth- ethical thing from hunting. Because you have to learn how to use your bubble to be an ethical hunter. Yeah. And I mean, I, everything that 4-H does is really around agricultural as far as creating an environment which makes you a better archer and a better ambassador for, let's say, the wild game that you chase. Yes.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to do that, like, just only have a recurve class.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, the, make it
3: all recurve. Well, the kid told me that he never sh- shoot 4-H again because of this. Yeah. And I felt so bad because okay. it presents so many opportunities, and I couldn't change his mind. Just his parents didn't have the money to buy him other heirs.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Like, you, you let that kid... Think about how much more involved that kid could have been. Obviously, A would have been a sh- would have shot that tournament. Maybe he would have had a great time, met some people, made new friends. Probably the next uh, ambassador. Potentially got involved in yeah. you know more 4-H programs and stuff. Like, man, it's just tough watching kids' programs limit uh, limit what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard on
3: me just because I see so many kids that get kicked out, and I try to keep them in it, and I try to recruit people. But they always have the same problems, yeah. and I try to do my best to help them, and I try to tell them what I shoot, like the errors that we found that work now, and I
1: try to get them out there because, there's, but that's like I said, it, there's so it, many well, opportunities. Well, you get a sour taste in your mouth. You're not going to want to do it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, and it and it's that t- way with anything. Well, and it took a lot of time and effort for you, to, you and I to come up with the best system, I guess, for you. But at the end of the day, for, it's just – a I hate to say it. It's, a, it's old – business that needs to be brought into the twenty first century. It's old rules, it's old way of doing things and they're not making the changes to change with the envi- archery environment that we live in today. And if they did something that simple, man, four H would be huge. I think you, think you know, four so H already right now runs the largest youth program in archery, period. Yeah. It's the largest Just in by the numbers. By by sheer numbers. But I
1: mean that's again so okay, it's the largest one in numbers, but you look at what type of shooters are they trying to gravitate or trying to attract are they is it more of like a grassroots type deal yes. it, which obviously it is that's a, I would assume is their game plan and what they're trying to initiate is get that grassroots program growing and you know just getting kids involved in the outdoors to help them integrate into other 4H programs
3: well our main concern Let- is safety and it we're trying to get promote shooting sports because you have so many people that right. live in so the city it's a that pro- don't. It's a, promo- it's a
1: promotional thing. Yes. At the end of the day, it's a promotional thing. Make it easier to participate. Yeah. Like, uh, plain and simple, let the let the premier organizations, not to say the 4-H isn't a premier organization, because obviously they bring a lot of kids into the outdoors and agriculture, Correct. shooting sports and stuff like that. But let the premier organizations with 3-D, let IBO and ASA have all these, you know, very – nitpicky rules let the let usa and NFAA have you know the, the nitpicky equipment rule stuff, right? equipment rules and stuff like that dude if the only stipulation you gotta have all right how long's your bars do you got a lens in your scope okay you go shoot in this class you got you got hunting stabilizers you, you got go short bars class, yeah. no lens multiple pins you go shoot in that class like just that keep it simple stupid yeah like let kids Give more opportunity for t- participation as opposed to limiting participation because of equipment. So, how many different classes are there in 4-H? So,
3: try to remember them all. So, we have compound aided. There's compound unaided, which is no peep sight. You can have a sight, just no peep sight.
0: There said, is. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you can you can have long stabilizers and stuff, but no peep sight. Yes. So that's basically bare bow. Yeah. Just okay. compound. Gotcha.
3: And then you have the bare bow, the recurve. Um, Genesis Genesis probably are most popular among yeah because that's the kids. easy one to bring everybody in yeah. and it's and probably the cheap. most cheapest for the arrows too that's correct yeah are they, they shooting at fifty
1: yards with the Genesis bows
3: um so yes holy
0: crap <laughs> can you imagine that dude it's, I couldn't do
3: it it's actually sixty for the
0: modified six hundred and it's a Genesis bow yeah see there's an example what exactly <laughs> there's an example where that is an old archaic rule probably designed back in the 80s Put, like man if i had that a genesis yards, 20 it. yards if
1: i would have if i had a genesis class for a 3d shoot i'd yards. stick every stake at 12 yards
0: yeah 12 to 15 20 yards well i know there's Not a lot of tw- kids 20's that, long ways
1: nas for a genesis like the NAS yeah. program the farthest they shoot 10. is
0: 15 meters is it 15 meters yeah well, well there's, there's a lot of
3: kids that shoot it and
0: you God, know they must think they suck seriously you're, okay, so right, what you just described is where they're losing the kids. So if that's your largest entry level class, but with that yardage range, you're not you're going to suck. Hell, I would suck. The lowest retention of any class I've I I ever seen you shoot with the compound. 80s. Yeah, exactly. Well, those kids are not going back to archery after they do that. I mean, unless they go and seek outside coaching through another through a shop or through a, a mentor or a peer. Uh, they're losing those kids yeah. right there
1: I mean I gotta but so, I, have, I have a shtick with the 60 uh, nasp anyways I think it's a cool program with the schools and stuff but yeah. anything beyond that
0: is, oh, yes, yes. So there, for there's, the there's 60 50
3: and 40 though that's for the seniors then the it, everything gets closer so if you're like a junior yeah your max was 30 and then 20 and 25 Some, but with that. a genesis bow
0: as a 15 16 year old you're gonna shoot 40 yards. 60 50 40 with a genesis bow Yep. It ain't gonna happen dude but in 3d ain't you nowhere. stand closer on the stakes it doesn't matter that bow is not designed to be shot that far yeah. it's not the bow is not designed for that it's good that is what we call a 10-yard bow it's to bring someone into the sport teach them at extremely close ranges because that's where its wheelhouse is yeah
1: it's it's a it's a, mechanic, or it's a tool to teach the mechanic of grab the string, yeah, yeah. let the string let us let well, it go at the Curville club that's what they
2: have the, that those are the only bows that the club owns is genesis bows and yeah. that's what it was we'd shoot them at 10 yards 10 or yards, something yeah that's what a lot of the kids got started in and then if you're if you had wow. your own equipment or you're better you'd shoot further out
0: yeah but. that's crazy dude every see there's a there's an opportunity
3: right there every 4h club mostly has genesis and bare bow maybe a few of your more expensive ones, they have a compound aided or stuff, or maybe a recurve. I don't think there's, we're probably lacking more on the recurve side. Yeah. Um,
0: I know there's plenty of compound aided and unaided. Um, So that's odd. 4-H, you guys are a little bit light on the recurve side, but you know, it's funny on USAT, USA Archery, that is their largest class. Well,
1: I mean, I'm not super surprised by that. You look at any agricultural industry or any outdoor game. I mean, that's, Centered toward, more toward, toward towards hunting, hunting and yep. stuff like that, yeah. which compound archery is the per, not maybe not premier if you want to use that word, but it is the most popular form of archery hunting. For hunting. in the States. Yeah, I think a bow hunter so, class
3: in our division would be nice. Yeah, like yeah, I would say, have that.
1: I would say IXNay the uh what would you call it unaided no peep sight. I've never seen a I don't want to say never I've never seen a compound leave. An archery store in the last ten years without a peep, peep? Yeah. site. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. So yeah, I would say XNAY that get just do a bow hunter class. Well, I know I compete against
3: you know, I have all the big stabilizers and all that. Oh yeah. And I compete with a lot of the ones that are just using their hunting bows and smaller bows. Against you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I
2: shot I shot a mod six hundred course one time at State Games with my PSE spider against a kid that was full rigged up with his long bars and stuff. Oh, yeah. His mom was over there like keeping his record book and stuff. I was like yeah, I don't um, stand a chance. And at that point, I knew I was just kind of having fun. Yeah. Because I think I was like getting off camp or whatever, and I was tired. I was like, I'm just out here. But it's yeah, yeah, funny that. we're well, talking they, about this like,
3: because <laughs> my first year at state games, I'd shodden field, and I ended up, we didn't even realize that my teammate at the time, Aaron Kelly, good friends now, we had tied and we didn't realize that on the same score, same everything. And they, I think they said it hadn't happened in like 20 something years. We had to go into a shoot-off at State Games, and we are going to get it done early. But they decided to wait and let everybody show up for the awards that night, and we had to do it in front of everybody. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I was out there, my Halon 32, and Aaron has this big old competition, but I'm like, oh, that oh, there ain't duh. no way. We got to shoot 60 yards, yeah. closest one to the center. Oh. I was like, it's windy. There's no way. I'm, I don't have magnification. I feel just like. You had
0: an advantage you didn't realize there.
3: I don't know she had a pretty good setup really and she shot first she had an 8 and I i think God intervened on that one but I just shot and something just steadied me and I drilled it X perfectly that's wild and I won the shoot off and I don't think anybody was expecting it because when, you, when I look back everybody's faces were just like in disbelief because they couldn't believe that somebody with just a hunting bow went out and did it yeah. You can. Like well, I said, you probably had an advantage here big. with wind and everything.
2: Coaches also make a difference. I mean... Oh, no, I, I was a wuss
3: back then. I had low poundage.
2: <laughs> coaches also make a difference. I know for the Curville, like, they, the coaches we had, they were good for, like, getting started, but... Yeah. Their parents, that, for the most part, probably. Their parents, for the most part, and I know the two main ones, like, they just bow hunted. They had very basic yeah. knowledge of archery, and, like, yeah. that's kind of what hey, drew man, me away God from bless it. them, though. Oh, yeah, no, seriously. Because like they those two guys handled well, so many kids that so here's a sad I appreciate part. that. So here's but. a
0: sad part about that. I've been contacted numerous times by the Kendall County um, and Bear County about taking over their 4-H programs. Um, I would be interested in possibly doing that if we had a different format that you guys ran. You guys, or, or you guys were running what I call a 21st century format that made sense. I don't want to go in there and teach kids how to shoot clout or to go shoot 60 yards and judge targets because it's, it's insane it doesn't make any sense and they shouldn't be doing it. Um, they could attract more at high le- higher level coaches if they would go in and rewrite their rule book or how they, their competition committee. I don't even know if they have a competition committee then place to help to administer the rules. If not, they need one desperately.
2: Were they require, would they require you to teach certain classes? Because whenever, for Kerrville, I only practiced clout one time and it was right before state games. Right. The, because the coach... Like he would tell us maybe once or twice, like, "Hey, this is a thing that exists," and then he set it up one time for us to practice a yeah, little bit. Just and other than that, like, yeah. Well, no, and that's why. Like, other than that, he never mentioned clout. Yeah. He only we only shot indoor at target faces and 3D target.
3: Well, so what I use for clout this year is I took Barry Barry Watson, my old coach. He borrowed me one of his Hoyt little Hoyt bows, mm-hmm. and I went out there and I practiced the day before. I'd already shot in that day because. I did competition in the morning. I went back right in the evening. Mind you, it rained all at our property. So the only spot I could go was on an oil pad. And I was sitting there practicing clout with that thing, shooting these arrows. And I put up a little flag at 120 yards away. And I was shooting into this uh, cliche. My tips were kind of a little bit done by
0: the end of it. That's craziness. But. So let me ask you a question. As an ambassador, do you, what's your main function and goal that you know of? to promote 4 a
3: shooting sports in every possible way and get as many people as we can into it gotcha. because there's so many uninformed people that live in the cities. I just met this kid the other day in the airport coming back from metropolis. Our flight got delayed for like two hours later and I was talking to him and he, he never shot a gun, never shot in a bow. Yeah. But he said he'd always wanted to shoot a bow or shoot something in a gun. And he said, he's only done uh, call of duty in a video game right and he was like he kept talking about call of duty and i said well you can take all that things that you're doing you're because you're shooting targets in call of duty too you can take that and apply it apply it and use it in real life and you can go hunting and i know a lot of that's i know it's a lot of things going on right now in hunting a lot of people don't believe in it but if you don't have hunting you start having population increases and stuff starts having diseases and all this. you know It's
0: funny. You say that I was running this morning along river road. Which is a, a Creek we have down here in burning and it's a real popular inner city Lake. And there was a forum I read the other day. Somebody was bitching about the fact that it's, it's almost dry here in been Down or did you Dude, get see it? I, I drove by
1: it the other day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's
0: bad. But what's weird is that is a great example. I was, as I was running, I was thinking this is an, ex- an example of where population control is not in place and it's kinda made that entire ecosystem down there kinda gross. The the thing smells horrible because there are probably literally ten thousand turtles in that little lake down there, number one. There are probably a thousand ducks that use it as home. Um, and it's overpopulated from a from a environmental standpoint and it's killed that entire ecosystem of that little lake. Where if you had hunters or they had a way to control how many ducks and how many turtles are in that it would help oh. the entire ecosystem. I don't know how many turtle hunters there are. There There's not very many turtle hunters. attacks, And, and they I need think to, that's one of be, our But things. a lot of them need to be removed. I mean, because it's, it's actually gross. The place is nasty. I
2: turtle hunt when I was little.
0: Oh, yeah. Target too. practice. Baby gun, baby. <laughs> BB gun under <laughs> 22. My grandparents,
2: had 22. A, <laughs> my grandparents had a little <laughs> pond out back in their ranch, and we would wait and see when their heads pop up and
0: shoot yeah. them off the water. We
3: bought this competition 22, and then I have a bigger fancy Pelican. I'll sit there and pop their heads. It's
0: fun. But this, again, is population control, Which, because I'm telling you, that is a great example where that population is out. It is unbelievable how many are down there. But anyways, but that's part of what 4-H is from an environmental standpoint. You guys are teaching education around hunting and the shooting sports, which is a gateway into the hunting world.
3: That's probably, I think that I was doing a research deal and it literally talked that we've had the same amount of hunters for pretty much the last 20 years mm-hmm. the i mean it's only changed probably a couple thousand yeah and as the population has grown just tripled since then and it's amazing how that many people don't realize what effects hunting has on every single thing you do yeah and they just don't understand that which is why 4-h helps promote that but they promote the shooting sports they promote. They promote. They sh- we shoot targets and we shoot the 3D, but we show that it's good. It's a, actually a good thing to right. go out there well, and
0: hunt. Let's be honest. And this is one thing I love about 4H, because without 4H, now teaching young people about I mean something simple as agricultural, we you know the welding or growing crops, judge. You, know, you I know you do a lot of meat judging and stuff like that. Without that, this entire Country would be going more towards the, the the city life, if you want to call it. Well, yeah, have you have all these are, people saying, Why do we need farmers? Yeah, exactly. You guys are growing, you guys are educating people on something as simple as farming because that is now probably where 30, 40, 50 years ago, that was a, a where a lot of people would gravitate their career choices to because of family, you know, taking on the family farm. Mm-hmm. Now that's going away. Without 4 H, you guys are teaching that. Mm-hmm.
1: What was it like 50 or I think like. 75 years ago i think was a stat i read a while ago like somewhere around 20 to 30 percent of the population was involved in farming in some form or another and now like it within the last 10 years it's down to like two one to three percent or something yeah it's insane well we know
3: the uh one of the guys for texas that gives uh heb their vegetables and He's pretty much their main supplier. He's
1: probably the only guy (laughs) just came
3: out of the 4-H world. um, I'm not really sure on him, Yeah, but he's one of the only ones who farms. It's like, we need more farmers. We need more hunters. Yeah, We need people who know more about the environment, Well, not just working a desk
2: job. I mean, and at the very least, 4-H can teach people about just basic knowledge about the world that they live in, right? Just knowing what hunting is and like... No, what yeah. it affects with farming the same thing maybe you don't want to go into that but having knowledge of knowledge is a big just thing. what it is yeah. is better than being completely oblivious thinking that we don't need farmers and yeah, like this not, isn't
1: a job that should exist anymore kind yeah of everybody not saying everybody needs to go buy 200 acres and start oh yeah for starts, sure <laughs> start planting corn and soybeans but yeah you know right. as far as the farming side of it goes and the hunting side of it you know i Everybody wants to say we have, need more hunters and all that stuff to help continue the growth of the sport and all that, which, I mean, to some degree is very true, but uh, even just understanding that, you know, when you go to McDonald's and buy a Big Mac or, you know, a 20-piece McNugget meal, like, that was a real thing that <laughs> existed. Alive. Yeah. And now you're eating it. You're right, well, you know, and everybody rich. everybody's got a little bit of a fat kid inside him. So I, yeah. I well, tell you, it, Neil, like I'm skinny, I made Nilguy. guy. Roger gave us some of that nail guy Oh my god, it's we made Nilguy guy fajitas yeah, last night, and it was spectacular. Yeah. So if nothing else, like feed your inner fat kid and go try some <laughs> new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like well, I, man, especially down here, the opportunity we have in in South Texas with all the different ranches and exotic game that yeah. we have. You know, between me having nail guy last night, I've got you know, 20, 30 pounds of axis meat. And I think we got zebra oh, yeah. in the freezer here. More? Like, Wait, I, I got some more zebra. zebra you want more? Oh, but, yeah. I mean, it's cool, to, it's cool to try all these different foods and stuff. You know, with you know the hunting side of it, it's kind of grown more into the, A, obviously understand where your food comes from, yep. but uh, the avenues that the we organic. have to try all these different types of yeah. food. And yeah, with how popular organic organic food and all that stuff is like and also you get some of the
2: side knowledge of like gun safety right if you're learning how to hunt you get some gun safety information that that way like all of it is just good knowledge to have in general even if you don't pursue some sort of big career or major interest in that just having that knowledge Knowledge. is good as a human being
3: and how to take good quality shots because i know there's a lot of billy bobs because we have them around our house they come from the
0: city would you guys by the way do you guys do hunting i mean do you guys partner with ranches to actually have hunting experiences or through 4-H. Right now, so
3: we sold like one of our black buck hunts. We did a black buck buck and doe, and we donated it to our 4-H club. Yeah. It didn't go as well. Yeah. I mean, got shots on both, but that's the thing about 4-H. 4-H is going to teach those kids to go shoot, take ethical shots. Right. Not sit there and be that person from the city that comes out and takes 20 shots at an animal to kill it right. and puts the animal through torture, which yeah. gives the city people who don't realize how good hunting is, right. gives them fuel to be like, oh, you tortured that animal. Well, especially
2: right. if they end up posting a picture of it like, oh, look, I got went on a hunt and it's got, it's just riddled with bullet holes." Yeah. <laughs>
3: like, yeah, I mean, that's no good. I and mean, you want to take that animal down ethically. Right. You don't want to be sitting there torturing that animal. Yeah. And I think that just 4-H helps promote good better shots.
0: Yeah. Well, it's definitely the I think it's the leading organization for youth into outdoors activities. It's the largest. There's no mm-hmm. doubt I'll never dispute that. I just think that their platform is about 50% effective. And well, retention I, has got I bet you if they've never done a study, but I bet their retention of 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 attendees attendees is probably nowhere near From a from it. a competitive standpoint, yeah.
1: I would say probably for sure. Yeah. And you know most of that because of the type of programs that they have, and they're growing, you know, trying to grow, not necessarily competitive archery specifically, but you know, just anything involved with the outdoors and oh, the bow hunting class, adding the bow, hunting class. yeah, but anything, it, you know, just with what they have and what they're trying, what their main goal is. I understand why they have some of these older, more archaic rules because it's not their main focus. Yeah, exactly. You know, obviously us, that's, that's all we care about. It's the only thing we've done. It's the only thing you've done for 30 years. It's the only thing I've done for 20 years. So for us, it's easy for us to sit there and point nitpick at everything. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it makes, having some of that would ma- definitely make well, it easier. Could you imagine I mean, us being selfish, wanting to grow the competitive side of the sport? Yeah. Like if we can make it more fun for kids, that's going to help grow not only 4-H because they're going to keep more kids inside of it, but, uh, you know, just us, you know, give give them an opportunity to help or give competitive archery and higher end archery well, be- a better opportunity to transfer or to get some of that crossover from kids shooting that stuff and seeing like, oh well who's man, shooting this three D stuff's really cool, what else can we go do? Right.
0: Well Or shooting this indoor stuff's really cool. What else can we go do? Think about it. There's really not a minor league division of our of our sport. I mean four H could be that I think they are from a kinda, youth program, from a youth yeah. program, taking the youth and teaching them, and then it's kind of the start out. of a lot of people, yeah. It is. Well, I can tell you now there's half a dozen archers that I have here, young people that started out in their that I kind of took away when they were 14, 15 years old. One of them sitting right here and fostered them into hyper competitive archers now, today in their 20s. You know, a couple of them are shooting on a national level now. You're probably going to be one of those guys. Um, Do you feel old yeah, I'm all, dude, I'm the oldest dirt, but yeah, but it's something that I think if they, if they would look at that and kind of, you know, charter themselves around that, not just archery, trap shooting, skeets, import sporting clays, they do a lot of that stuff with the guns. And that's another segue, you know, right now that I think that could be taken advantage of to help grow the ATA, which is the Amateur Trap Shooting Association or the, the sporting clays, you know, which is huge in Kerrville. I mean, there's, there are places you can go and practice that and apply that trade as a young adult going into your, you know, into your older years. And then what do you, that happens? That's, that's full circle. Cause then you know what? You have grandkids where you get kids and then that's how it grows and fosters that entire generation, which keeps that that wheel spinning over and over. I mean, it's how I did it when I was a kid. We didn't have 4-H when I was young, uh, well, at least where I was from, but it was, I, have a, I had a father and a grandfather and then all of our family friends, all outdoorsmen. And it kept me, in those genres and doing it my entire life. And then when my kids, all my kids now shoot, hunt, fish, they do everything. No, that's how outdoors. I grew up too. Just back in the country. hundred percent. Go hunting, you know, ever since you could walk, have a gun in your hand. Yep. And now you have a platform to go affect inner city kids and kids from the city that can, that yeah, have People an that only know video they games. They only know video games. Yeah. They've never been outdoors to scene. And I'll tell you right now, I know from us doing, we just got done doing a cancer benefit society program for, for kids with cancer. And there's like five different events that they have. They're like rock climbing and horseback riding and fishing. And it's crazy. And I hate to say this, but when we do our archery program, the kids get done shooting. They get right back in line, shoot, get back in line, shoot, get back in line. Every year we'll have the other guys go, dude, you know, I, we're not keeping them here. They can go rock climb. They want or go horseback riding. They love archery.
3: Love well, So it. I just did the uh, uh, children's lines club. They have a county camp. Mm hmm. And I have three bows and it literally says they're pretty much bare bows, but it says do not dry fire because they shoot like real bows. Oh yeah. But they have those fake arrows and all that. And I let all the kids do it. And Brittany and all the county agent, Miss Lampert, all of them were saying how they talked for the entire day and how they wanted to go back and do that. Shoot archery. Yeah. I mean, I had kids that just kept coming and coming. I had to, I had to organize them, get them in line because the same ones were... Just, Going and going and going, I, they would sit there for hours
0: and just do that if they could. Yeah, it's it's definitely a it's a great sport. I mean, that's why we do it. We love it, and of course, but it's uh it's got an effect on world's, kids. I think
1: world's oldest sport. Yeah, exactly. It's one. I remember thinking about this the other night. It's a one. Archery is the one thing from a outdoor uh, agriculture hunting standpoint. In that, you know, something that fits in that box. That if we could somehow figure out a way to explain to. In Indian five hundred years ago, what a <laughs> compound bow was and why it worked, and how yeah. it was similar Might to the oak stick different with different a world. <laughs> how it was similar to an oak stick with a deer intestine for a string. Yeah, how you know that's a connection that we share with you know our ancestors that no other sport or no other activity on the face of the planet can do when it's not like it's just archery that 4-H offers. I mean, no, but like as far as why archery is so so popular, like it's literally ingrained in our DNA exactly to some degree. So, which I don't know. I thought that was cool. I think a lot of people say how everybody's a natural and you can only be a natural. It's really not. Yeah, no. And you know, I know kids that I know kids growing up, watching them shoot, like they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Like they'd be better off shooting. I'd be better off shooting left-handed. Yeah. You know, that now are very capable, competitive archers, you know, without any issues. So it's, it's definitely a learned skill, but it's
0: something about everybody can do. Well, we got to wrap it up. We've been on over two hours, but I, we probably talk about this forever, but I'm excited for you because a national ambassador is a big deal. That's pretty cool. I mean, to have somebody, a kid here locally to do that's pretty amazing. Um, number two, I mean, hopefully you'll have a platform for now and in the future that you may or may not be able to help and foster change within the program. So I think to grow it. I don't know what that takes. I don't know who you got to get in front of. I've offered, you know, as a competitive coach, attend, you know, archer, competitive archer, being in this industry for as long as I have to offer my expertise and my knowledge to help do that. And whether we start that locally, then it grows regionally, then grows nationally. I, I would be welcome to do that. but. Um, I think that's got to happen, and hopefully, someone like you, Brandon, who has been with me now for a couple of years, as we grow and you know together, you becoming—I think you'll shoot professionally one day if you want to do it—can um, help that. And you have that now, that footprint within this organization to make that happen. And I'm excited for you for that purpose. I think you were, you were the right pick for it, and man, who knows? Who knows what the future holds? So you never know. Anyways, uh, man, we're going to wrap it up. Great conversation today. I think we were going to cover some really cool stuff. Um, it'll be long. So you guys have to break this one up and listen <laughs> to it in a couple of different segments. But other than that, uh, we hope you keep listening. Brandon, thank you for coming in today. We appreciate thank you. It. Yeah. Hopefully you got some, some good stuff out there and, and how uh, we got video dude integrated today <laughs> as a four 4- <laughs> H yeah. guy. So thank y'all y'all for the feedback. All right, man, you guys be good out there. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.
3: Oh, and if you would like to join 4-H and the many opportunities it provides for the kids eight years old or in the third grade and up, you can do so by reaching out to your local AgriLife Extension agent office in your county. Um, But if you'd like to learn more about shooting sports specifically, you can contact me, your National Shooting Sports Ambassador, by contacting Leaning Edge Archery in Bernie, Texas, or by visiting their website and or Facebook page.